2: Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, back in the rugby dungeon to make sure once again, even though it has been snowing and uh, the the pavement outside your house, JP, is lethal. It is lethal, isn't it? Really is. You, did you, you made it here, Phil? Got your crampons on?
3: Uh, yes, got
2: some trail shoes on with some good grips. Ooh, wonderful. Nice. I, had, I almost couldn't get into my car because the door was frozen shut. Well, we're here and we make sure there's a podcast for you 52 weeks of the year, every Monday morning, sometimes more than one podcast, <laughs> extra content as well. If you go to patreon.com forward slash egg so there will be this week. Yes, there will be this week and uh, lots to talk about on this podcast. Uh, lots of good rugby to talk about. Lots of really interesting stories off the field uh, to get into as well, which we will. So uh, he's at JB more. I'm at Cocker. We're at rugby podcast, patreon.com forward slash egg and... Yeah, all that's good stuff. Uh, yeah, Let's well, start with this.
4: Blackburn, who we went to watch this week, pumped York forty nine twenty four. Oh, we should have been there. We, we should have we been there. Could have there. been there for we that glorious I can't victory. Can't believe it.
2: We might not have got. We might not have got back across the Pennines though. So maybe for the best. Yeah, yeah there's, good there's point.
4: been some really interesting results, but we'll talk about them later. Yeah. Oh, and also, shout out to Neil Sherrod who wants to send me. Uh, Results from Yorkshire, so we can really expand this segment.
2: Oh yeah, I love a bit of local rugby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Simon Cowgill got in touch. Um, Dale as well. Uh, uh, in fact, Dale Newton, a bunch of other people got in touch to mention a bit of commentary today.
4: It was was it today? I know, I've heard some really disturbing rumours about this. Yes, it was today. It was, it was, was back. It,
2: it was back in the BT Sports Studio uh, at halftime in the Sale versus Saracens game, and is uh, is a bit of analysis from Lawrence Delalio. Wow. That is... That's unfair. That's, that is in the... Is that, if that's not in the laws already, it should be in the laws. Well,
4: I, I did see Saracens uh, skirting very close to the wind. Sailing very close to the wind today, not to mix a metaphor, of course, uh, with their... Is that Scorpion Rock that they're operating with now? So building yeah. a brick wall on the field is... Building a brick wall. I mean, if you think about their their history of bending the laws... I think a brick wall is well within their reach.
2: Is that, um, is, that now, is that wall now going to be owned by Voon Prop Limited? I would <laughs>
4: imagine, <laughs> <self. I'd> imagine <laughs> so.
2: Yeah, they've, got, they've probably got some really good property experience in that
4: <laughs> squad. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> if, they well, know,
3: if they know how to get a wall built in, in and around the St Albans area, they will build it. Exactly. Yeah, Well-spotted
2: lit- Lawrence. Well-spotted Lawrence. And um, also got another one here, another one for the literary, Literally Jail. Uh, which I'm just going to find. We get so many emails. It's really, it's genuinely, I love it. Uh, it's contactegchasers at gmail.com. dot really hit,
4: hit nerve, hasn't it? Well, I, no,
2: it's not just this. There's emails on all sorts of stuff and we're always welcome for your correspondence. Kirk Hullis. Kirk Hullis, long time listener. Good to hear from you. He says, one for the album. And uh, here we go. Foxy, the oh, uh, advert, uh, YouTube advert. So this, this is a, a comedian, why
0: Morgana, Morgana a Robinson
4: recount. on Dave. oh, why don't you have a premium account? I can't believe a man of your means. <laughs> Here we go.
0: <laughs> anyway, so I just thought
4: I'm gonna fuck it, and I just excuse the language. Oh. She's, she's language. I had no choice, so I ran across like sort of these rock, the gnarly, slippery rocks, and and, and and I slipped, and I fell about twenty feet down the side of these cliffs, and I landed on my face. Oh, okay. um, I came up, and all the boys were screaming like girls. And 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 they were like, uh, 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 like, don't worry, it's fine. You still look like you. It's okay. And I, I looked down, and it, I had quite literally cheese grated my whole body. Wow, <laughs> that sounds horrific. Oh, that would be awful. That sounds horrific. <laughs> Sadistic. I'd, one of my favorite things
3: about. Uh, reading the emails is when you open up our email account it's got just the first line of all of them and it so many just say love the pod blah 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 blah, blah, blah. blah, love the pod
2: blah (laughs) blah blah blah.
4: love the pod blah 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 really enjoying the pod blah blah blah
2: because they know we're not going to read out any (laughs) any fawning whatsoever no fawning we
4: should though we should actually only read out the most fawny ones yeah there's an
2: incredibly thorough few emails on um the subject of leicester fly halves yeah, uh, Martin Lewis Ooh.
4: actually. Hey. Martin Lewis suggested
2: Reece Patchell won. Yeah, I should think be a shout. Great mm. shout, actually.
4: Really good shout. Um, lazowski has been mentioned a lot this week, but here's how thorough our segment was on Leicester Flyhoffs. Someone from Tigers said we hit all the right names. So there, there we go. Interesting. So it is, I mean, we, no, we, we you,
3: mentioned almost every name in world rugby exactly. at one point or exactly. another.
4: But uh, yeah, all we seem to have done a good job. Now I'm not saying that, that they're going to do any of that. But they're looking at all the same names. Uh, and, Interesting. So, and so if
2: you missed out on, if you don't know what we're talking about and you want to know who Leicester might be in the market for, go back and listen to last week's podcast. Second
4: rows, mate. They're just going to buy more Second rows <laughs> and stick with Freddie Burns. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about.
2: Uh, one more email before we get uh, stuck in. This is from Patrick Burke. And I thought Phil might appreciate this one. He says, uh, hi, gents. Uh, if, I'm e- I, if I'm emailing, you already know I love the pod. No yeah, need to true. say it. Qu- quite right. I even watched you lift a few trophies at North Dorset. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Earthy, all uh, of them. I'm a huge espresso fan, and was entirely vindicated on last week's pod as I've been saving for a dark green Lamark
3: Marzocca Marzocca Mini Fiorentina edition. There you go oh. for a
2: while. They're on a par with Takalua's calves for form and function. Rugby has been going... I think this is a great... Genuinely a great point. Rugby's been going an espresso-chic route for a while now. Manu, Jamie George, Elliot Daly, etc. All obsessed with flowery latte art. If I were trying to get players over to my club to replace the gaping hole left by a recently departed fly-half, I'd make damn sure my training ground was equipped with the finest espresso machines available. Oh, yeah. Vittoria, Arduino, Black Eagles, ideally. Is that as good I take it, Phil?
4: I don't know. You look that up. I'm going to look it up. I actually thought that was a a team. (laughs) (laughs) Read it again and then put against Bath. Uh,
2: Lines lines right up with modern approaches to coaching. Less rugby, more emotion, more mindfulness, more caffeine. And it swerves. There's no limit on what you can spend on coffee machines in the salary cap. Yeah,
4: very good point. Now, can I just say on the coffee machine, we have spoken a lot about the coffee machine. But we have neglected what I think is actually the more important component of the coffee. Well, it's not more important, but just as important, is the vessel you drink your coffee from. Like, if I have the wrong coffee cup to go with the wrong type of coffee, it ruins the whole experience. I love a nice, thick um, espresso cup.
3: You like a thick, short espresso yeah. cup, but thick china, don't you? Exactly.
4: Now, there's an actual word for that. I can't remember what the word is for that. That type of cup, I will find out and let you know next week. Well, it, it is a good point
2: because Hazelwood, the London Irish training ground, I've I've gone and done some filming there and spent a day there, and a brilliant training ground. And the players have got a great coffee machine, which is good. I will say, I had to have uh, instant coffee in one of those polystyrene cups. Yeah, or, they do that.
3: Oh, they did
4: do that. Dreadful. At shops. Yeah, dreadful. they used to. Uh,
3: the only time I like having that is a Bovril. I think a Bovril just suits that kind of... Mug, but anything yeah. else,
4: you've got a point there because you wouldn't drink certain types of beverages from you know, wouldn't, as they say, you wouldn't drink champagne from a mug. Yes, and I don't think you should drink bottle from a mug, it should be polystyrene. Yeah, it, it actually be. adds things to Get on spoons. that mic a little bit more. There lift, we go, lift it up
2: to you. It will do, raise it up uh, a little bit. There
4: you flip, go. Yeah, sale used to have a really weird system in the main canteen at Carrington where if you used a spoon, you had to sort of Wedge the spoon into the gr- into the grate, like do you know the like the water tray. You had to wedge the spoon in um, into the gate so it, so it's stored up and so drained. It's erect, yeah. So the teaspoon is erect uh, for the next person to use to stir their tea. Interesting, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, and then the players would go downstairs and they'd have their own little coffee machine. Good,
2: as long as the players are sorted out. It's a great point. There you go. If, if, salary cap, every conceivable advantage. Uh, if I was a player, that that would be something I would. Pop- you know, that would be come into my consideration on judging where to play my games. Yeah, definitely. Coffee and, with the boys after training.
3: And as Patrick Burke says, if you've got a Vittoria Arduino Black Eagle coffee machine, which, looking it up, is a professional two or three group head, uh, 10 to 15 grand bit of kit, then that would be quite a nice place to make your coffee. Wouldn't it just? I don't know mm. sure I'd trust those yobs with one of those. Uh, the, I think only most, senior players can touch it. Most of the most of the players are basically trained baristas now. <laughs> I, I, certainly higher end than most of the baristas that burn my milk every well, now blood, and again.
4: Bloody hell! The one of the best coffee shops in Manchester is owned by two rugby league players. Yeah, yes, Hot, kettle, Black. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Yeah, mm. that's that's the thing. If you make it to the senior leadership squad, you can use the senior coffee machine. Other mm. than that, you're not allowed. You to touch get the it.
2: Victoria. Whatever you that get a little is. card, wiener. a little pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the big story this week, let's start there, is the, well, I'm going to say it, fantastic change to the eligibility rules which World Rugby have brought in. And this, to me, feels like a very un-World Rugby thing to have done. Very forward-thinking. <sighs> they, they normally do things which protect the status
4: and the success of Tier 1 nations. I don't... Well, no, I do... They're all losers from this. <laughs> there might be some substantial losers from it. I'm for it. Scotland? No, no, actually not. What am I talking about Scotland? Because that's, that's... Potentially. No, because no.
2: no, they just get the excess South Africans who were never going to play for South Africa anyway.
4: No. Maybe Scotland then. So... Uh, the way I look at it is, yes... It, so, so, if... if, if sorry. Let, let, yeah, let's I go that one. Let's yeah, tell let, them let's what's jump back
2: one. So what's happened is, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you probably, I'm sure you have, if you... Love your rugby enough to listen to this. You'll be across it. But world rugby have allowed any player who has qualified by resi- residence for an, a nation to be able well, to revert back. No, not just. It's that. not just qualified not just by residence. A residence. It's it, you could
3: have oh, or, or dual nationality yeah. or quad nationality. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. Because it goes to grandparents. Well, yeah, quad, quad nationality or quad eligibility. Yeah. Um, if you play for one of those through um the traditional eligibility routes or through um through location factors um following a three-year stand down now you will be able to revert to not the country that you qualified through residency but one of your birth your parents birth or your grandparents birth yeah
4: so in essence your second shot at international would be aligned with your original international criteria minus the residency rules. Yes. Yes. That's Correct. how you look at it. Now, that sounds great. And I loved all... With the a three-year standard. Year standard. standard. Yeah. Three years, good. which I mean, is... It sounds like a lot, but it's nothing really.
3: Well, it's, the problem is, if you've played for one country, most of these guys will be late 20s or early 30s to have played for one country, moved their... They are, they've are. they got sufficient distance behind them to recognise that they're not going to play for that country again, and then the three years. it's So guys like Fekitoa and Sir Charles, who are mm. late 20s or early 30s, would be guys is, of that age. Yeah,
4: Well, they're ready to go. They're ready to be signed now, I think. Yeah, th-
3: those guys are actually ready to be signed, but it is when they're 30s. There'll be relatively few people in their early 20s who this will affect.
2: So the main beneficiaries... The main potential beneficiaries is going to be the Pacific Island nations. Maybe. You would think.
4: Maybe. Probably. Because at yes. young
2: ages, they represent, well, Nathan Hughes represented England, Fekitoa, uh, as you mentioned. Yeah, Rocket
3: Noah Nakatashi, Vakatawa.
4: I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced on the following basis. So, as watching the absolute hysteria on Twitter, hysteria is not. not, not quite the right word
2: I love not being on Twitter but people were saying <laughs> I just right. I retweet my local butcher yeah. and that's all I've done in the last week
4: <laughs> 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 but they were saying things like this is it this is uh, this wasn't normal Twitter uh, idiocy this is, this is people being be genuine this is people saying this is going to be great for, for, the, for the Pacific Island nations I think that is a rather mainstream view and I'm not convinced because The Pacific Island nations are still going to have the same issues they've always had. uh, Players not getting paid, lack of organisation, lack of coaching, lack of time together. That's not going to change. The only thing that has changed now are the incentives to the players not to play for another country. So if you were a proud Fijian and you grew up wanting to play for Fiji, for instance, you'd have a dilemma, which is you can play for England, now you're here through residence, or you can play for Fiji. Well, that barrier has gone now. So I actually think you're going to get more people if they design their career correctly, coming over to the big leagues, France and England, early doors because they well, get two, two a five, shots. It's
2: now a five-year period of residency now, not three. Yeah, it, it, that is correct, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, so to,
3: yeah, for residency. Yeah. So you, but that doesn't apply if you move. I think prior to your 18th birthday. Yeah. There are there are shorter, and if if part of your schooling is in another country, right. Which, so we could
2: have some... Unin- I mean, there's already, been, there's already been unintended consequences with French clubs taking South African teenagers... Setting up um, academies? C- academies I'm, in I'm South right, Africa. Setting up I mean, academies, but bringing them over yes. age
4: 17 to yes. avoid exactly what you're talking about. But as they should do, because the most important thing for that player is to make a living out of rugby. If you want to be a professional rugby player, not, it's not for everybody. Okay, You've got to make that decision, is professional rugby for me. If you want to go down that route, you've got to make as much money as possible. You can't do it in the Pacific Island Nations, you've got to go overseas. That's just a fact of life. That is
2: absolutely the fact of life for an individual. Here's my counterpoint to that, which is, this isn't a player's concern. This is an administrative concern. The way to have every one of those players earning the most amount of money they can is to have the most popular game you can and the way you have the most popular game you can and this is what you work back from is you have a world cup in 12 years to, or 10 years time world cup 20 2031 in the usa let's say you have 10 teams that can realistically go and win that then mm. you've got a marketable product which advertisers will pay through the nose for which will filter down and mean you get really top leagues which players all get paid for that's a that's an administrative one that long term short term you're absolutely right players have just got to make coin
4: yeah, they've got to make money ASAP. Now, I actually think that it will benefit the Pacific Island nations, and I think that's really cool. So, massively in favour favor of it. The other thing that I think is going to happen is we're going to see a lot more movements between Tier 1, and we've also made it a situation now where, for the first time ever, and I love this, players have bargaining power over their union. So, it used to be the case that, hey, you want to play in the World Cup? Well, we pay X amount, and if you want to play for us, you're going to have to accept X amount. You know, for England it could be 25 grand, or 20 grand, or 18 grand, or whatever the figure is. Now, for Wales it'd be substantially less. But you didn't have a choice. If you wanted to play for that team, you had to accept whatever match fee was on the table. Well, they've made a market for these players. So if I'm playing in England and I've kind of got a, um, i I'm kind of on the radar for Wales. Well, I could potentially say. Okay, yeah, I'll come and play for you because that will jeopardize my EQP status, which might jeopardize my next contract. But I'm not happy with your 10 grand match fee. I want fi- I want a 15k match fee. I also want some guarantee that I'll be in your elite squad for the next 6, six years because that player could be the missing piece to the jigsaw to win, to win the World Cup or get out of the group stage. And I think that they're going to be able to have some significant bargaining p- power and they should use it. Particularly when they're in a system like Wales
2: Scotland or Ireland, let's say, where the unions fund the clubs.
4: Yes, yeah, exactly right. So going back, they'd have a lot of power. Now, coming the other way, you might see players just say, right, I did play for Wales, but my dad is English. I intend to step down now from uh, playing for Wales forever. Mind you, they would have to. No, they wouldn't have to, would they? Because they could be on the 70 capital. So you can have an Alan Wynne-Jones, right? And say he's got some English English heri- uh, heritage. He could come over and say, "Yeah, I'm no longer available for Wales because now I'm EQP." Boom. So don't even need to play for the nation in question. No Welshman. He wouldn't
3: become. He wouldn't
2: become an EQ, I would do it. He wouldn't become an EQP for three years.
4: Yeah, but I intend to. Yeah, no, but
2: no, no Welshman who gets a significant number of caps for Wales is going to do that. Let's just be honest. I, I don't mean, know. you would. I would lo- I mean, I love <laughs> it. You would.
3: Have you got any French heritage, JB? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. I tell you what, uh, Carl Ferns would have played for France at the drop of a hat. Well, um, Armitage, um, the two
4: Armitage boys, Stefan and and Delon, Delon, I think almost did, they explored that route, didn't they? Yeah, and also people don't, if you're happy in the regions and you're happy in Wales, then yeah, of course you wouldn't. But a lot of people leave the regions not particularly happy. You Mm -hmm. know, not everyone is happy with with Welsh rugby, not everyone's happy with English rugby. Kai, Kai Kai Horseman. Chris Horseman played for Wales purely because he's so unhappy with the way he was treated by English rugby and how well Welsh rugby treated him. Mm. So I think there's going to be loads of movement, and also I think it's going to mean that, particularly players in Australia, and New Zealand, and South Africa, are going to come over to the UK much, much earlier, much earlier. Particularly if they can uh, immediately play for uh, England, Scotland, Wales, France.
3: Yeah, I can, I can see. At the early end of the career, um, it almost incentivizes you from uh, chasing the residency. Let's, yeah. let's call it early on in your career. There is then obviously there are only so many international spots available for these guys. There's, there are you cannot possibly have hundreds of people in any international um, elite squad, mm. and the back, so there is a risk of that. I think the risk is relatively low on the the in the scheme of things. And certainly, the benefit for those players who, like Feakotor and Pieter, are two of the best examples, they make an immediate difference to well, whatever team they play yeah. in. They are world-class um, outside backs, so
4: that is great news for Tonga. Just aside on Fiji, is there any Fijian heritage individual you can think of right now who would improve the current Fiji squad? Because it seems to me they've got the house in order pre- pretty nicely as it happens.
2: Nathan Hughes would be one that I mentioned. He must be coming. He must yeah. be eligible soon.
4: Yeah, Hang on, but who would Nathan Hughes. Who's in his position? Tua Tusui's oh, Sui. ace. Yeah, no, when he's, he's great. Know, but he would
2: improve their squad. Bill Matter. Yeah. Bill Matter will start. So it's just options. They might chuck yeah. Nathan Hughes in at second row. Who. Well, 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 well
4: would he be second row? Or would he be second row slash eight? Second row slash eight. Sla- slash second row slash, row slash eight, would Slash, slash yeah. centre. Yeah. Or. Uh, who's what? Who's Who's this second? Who's the number eight slash centre? Is it Yarte? No, Botti. No, Bottier. Bottier. Lavani. Lavani Bottier, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure there's that many machines to come back into the Fiji no, side. Possibly, but there's
3: other like Vakatawa, Nakatasi. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, Alav- <laughs> yeah. Alavarati, Raki. Uh, Alvarati Raki, Raka. Yeah, Raka, yeah. Don't put three of those three boys into any backline. I don't care what it is. Yeah, they are class. It's outrageous.
2: And also, I think what we're going to see. We, again, I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge the first. When I say these two, we will see that there is a, a financial incentive. Which I totally get. Mm. And I would do the same thing if I was in many of those players' shoes. If I was in Vakatawa's shoes, look, at he's done incredibly well by being a French international. Yep. And his family will... He'll be able to support his kids and, and have a good life as a consequence.
4: Is it Vakatawa G- or Raka who is actually French? Like, through and through French. One of them is actually... Because I remember well. Rugby getting very annoyed by one of them. One of them came over Fiji. One of them is French as as French um, as, as baguettes. I'm not sure. Don't know. I know
3: Vakatawa played... For the sevens for a few years. He was like on Russing's books, then played sevens, so, and then played.
4: And Vakatawa also put a French shirt on his mum's coffin. Uh, interesting. Uh, so he, he does
2: like Okay, France. fine. Well, I, well, yeah, I, 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 apologize, I, I apologize to um, Vakatawa if that is the case. But the point is, you, you've got the financial incentive on the one hand. What we're going to be able to see is the. And this is the heart, not the head. This is the bit, the thing that I love international rugby for, and the reason why I hated project players and I hate uh, residential qualification that you know I'm happier with it being 5 years but still not happy is you're going to see that the heart and I think if if Manu Tuolangi or the Vunapolob brothers if they had the chance to play for Samoa or Tonga before
4: they retired that would mean everything to them well yeah it would do it would be, be it'd be awesome it'd be awesome i wonder how many players would get a, a taste of life not in the lap of luxury of england and think ooh maybe not maybe well, not billion billion maco uh, Billy was born in Australia sorry Billy, he- Mako and Falatau. when he joins them as well of,
3: well <laughs> Billy, Billy is eligible for obviously Tonga but also Australia oh my word Mako is of, of, um,
4: eligible for New Zealand because that's where they were born I tell you what I don't think Mako's is getting into New Zealand but Billy could quite easily get into <laughs> Australia for in the next World Cup could he when was that last Not, time he was picked
2: no no he played in the last year
3: yeah he played in the Six Nations this year so he just missed the next World Cup. Oh, so he missed the World Cup, so it's not. Yeah. So it, it I'd, would, I'd pay for him to it go. It wouldn't, wouldn't be worth his there, time. There's loads, though. <laughs> I was thinking of some of the weird ones, like someone like Scott Spedding going to play, back to play for South Africa yeah, for the be, next yeah. World <laughs> <laughs> Cup. Would How would Scott Spedding be? Uh, he'd be 37 at the time of the next <laughs> he's, World Cup.
2: He's, he's an occasional reporter for BT Sport. You'll see him, I imagine, in the French game. Well, because it, it's really hard to get anyone out to France.
3: Yeah. So we're awesome. would,
4: would Spedding take the place of uh, Francois Steyn? Francois Steyn, like, yeah.
3: Like, like, yeah. 38-year-old Francois Steyn. Yes, bounced in by 37-year-old Scott Spedding. Well, we
4: got a
2: brilliant email from Will Butcher, uh, who says, uh, Egg Chasers, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering what country you're predicting to be the biggest beneficiaries of the change in player eligibility. And if there's uh, maybe five players that will be the first cabs off the rank. So we've already talked about some, but here's one that I did not consider, but is a brilliant shout. He says, just to kick you off with the longest of long shots. How about Jake Paledry? He returns from injury. Starts to build his awesome form, only to realise his recovery has taken longer than expected. I mean, he's already been out for over a year. Yeah. Year yeah. Maybe it might be. I don't know when he last played for Italy. Every,
3: every cloud, eh? Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not been playing for Italy. He played, Could, he played in the World Cup. That's probably the last his, time.
2: He would, he would become eligible for England in time for the World Cup. Mm. Well, it, and they need him. That
3: That's an interesting...
2: The one. last game he played was November last year. So he would be available for England's... Uh, just in time for England's twenty. Oh, no, no, this is a long shot. So, no, he would only be eligible for a World Cup final. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> what! A... Wow. An injury cover for the World Cup final. Would that... I mean, there you go. Well,
4: nice, nice research. But he's Jill.
2: still very young, though, isn't he?
3: Still yeah. relative, yeah. Mid-20s. Mid,
4: mid to late-20s. Like yeah, he's got time on his face. Who would be the biggest beneficiary? Might well be Italy. There are a lot of Argentines out there who would like to play for Italy, it's I'd imagine. good shout Mm. A lot. Italy could be a good beneficiary. And then
3: someone like uh, Doggers, for example, could potentially, I yep. you know
4: he's in England camp, but never actually played, could play for England and then switch, switch across. Do you know who it won't be- benefit from what I can see? Georgia. I can't imagine many... There's not like many Georgians. Well, there's, there's a few who've played for France. So who are the ones who played for France? Yashvili. Yashvili's... Yeah. yeah. The, uh, so a lot... The the lock and the scrum half, because I think that, that was the brother combo.
3: Was there a prop as well, Yashvili? But he might have, I think one of the brothers might have actually played for Georgia.
4: Oh, maybe, yes. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. He might have even been captain of Georgia. Yeah. So, so there will yeah. be
3: a few because of the historic links from Georgia to France, the top 14. Here's one for you Zimbabwe.
4: Zimbabwe. There
2: you go. Now we're talking. David Postcock out of retirement to
4: well, I, I've have of international wilderness to play for Zimbabwe. I've always spoke to spoke to Don Armand and he sent me a smiley emoji face, so that means he's definitely <laughs> he's in. in. So, Don
2: Armand, Dave Ewers. Yeah. Well
4: Dave Ewers is Netherlands England yeah. he's, he's, good he's, to go. he's uncapped. He's uncapped. Yeah. Maybe Dave Ewers plays for Zimbabwe and then England. Uh, Because that's an incredible back row Majority Majority comes back But actually someone has updated me With actual real names Who are currently playing There must be loads in South Africa Loads and loads Uh, Sadly I think that number is diminishing I don't think we'll ever really see A strong Zimbabwe team again Because I don't think they're playing That much rugby over there They were in the first World Cup Yeah well It was a different place then A very different place then It was a very different place then So uh, Was under Ian Smith that they played? the prime minister not the coach i don't think he did both <laughs> no idea you uh, might have done both uh, yeah, yeah maybe, he did. maybe Roma- he
2: did romania and zimbabwe were in the first world cup
4: romania no i can't see them and getting... when
2: romania did quite well in the first world cup or gave a good account of themselves they, uh, they there were calls for them to join the five nations and it was turned down romania went well for there was political reasons behind it went yeah. a very different route well the... and uh, and then and that but that's why they brought italy in and um isn't There's been a lot of chat this week about Italy not should be bombed out of the Six Nations after their Autumn Nations. Love they series. get some handy
4: Argentines in there. Oh well, yeah, uh, and the last one would be oh yeah, just on um, Romania. Weren't they? Weren't they playing rugby because Ceaușescu... is it Chocescu? Yeah, loved rugby. He loved rugby, and it was an army sport. Have you
2: seen their stash back in the 80s?
4: No, was it good? Oh, Do they have Adidas
2: so stash? So Adidas point? stash. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, I'm going to find it for you. So
3: there you go, eligibility laws covered. So, yeah, I, th- I think... I can't help but think... I might be wrong in this, but I can't help but think that the most... The biggest beneficiary long-term will be uh, some of the Pacific Islanders... Uh, sorry, some of the Pacific Islands because of just the sheer number of Pacific Islanders who are playing for the nations. If if Fiji got back, some of the guys I mentioned before, plus... So, Nathan Hughes, Rokodaguni, Vakatawa, Nakatasi, Alvareti, Raka, um, Sever Rees, Kurindrani... Karevi, yeah, okay. Um, Corbetti,
4: Corbetti, yes.
3: I mean, just there, but, and they're, they're not going to be able to play them all. But do you know what they need?
4: They need Vincent Cock. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. These are not the players that <laughs> they, they do. They really need Corbetti. No, they don't. No, they don't. They, they really don't. Joshua <laughs> Sober's perfectly good. They need uh, like a, probably like a Courtney Laws, a Vincent Cock. Uh, they need people like that. Yeah, a couple of tight head props. Um, Kits off. If you could... Kits can... off and cock. If they can get those those two boys, they're in business, <laughs> aren't they? Well, if you could... Yeah, I'm not sure they've got too much uh, Fijian heritage. I don't know. They,
3: well, they well, might uh, do. You've got to ask the question, haven't you? You exactly. don't ask the question, how are you going to know?
2: I'll just show you the Romania stash in 87.
3: Yes, that colour. It's, oh. it's exactly
2: like hey, the French kit, remember, yeah, but in yeah. Romanian
4: colours. you remember colour playing it? rugby with the, with the <laughs> Romanian under-18s? Yes. kicking <laughs> the ball a, around. A Did you? That's that absolutely lovely. Yeah. We finished the Georgia-Romania game. Went back to... The, right behind the stadium to like a pavilion y type thing and there's a load of guys playing rugby. Not rugby, but do you know, the Just f- chucking a chucking, the ball, chucking around. the ball about. But do that game where I pass it to you and then the second ball comes to you, you throw the ball up and then pass it across. We were Won playing up. that with the uh, Romanian youths. Yeah. From their under eighteens.
2: Have you played against any other like i just you suddenly popped into my head that I've forgotten I did it. I played against the Uruguay under twenty ones. Were they doing good? Awesome. They they were, were alright. We gave them a good game. It was um, playing for was it was that was that playing for Barkshire, or was that new breed was it was like your time uh
3: residing in Mon- uh, Montevideo? Yeah, yeah yeah when i was hanging out at ah, nice.
2: no no but they um all i know is when the game finished they were like desperate for any stash they were swapping all of their stuff they were like what have you got they, they were awesome. like it was like a bartering. Uh, send it was, them my way they came, <laughs> yeah they came into the dressing room and they were just like what have you got what shirts have you got i'll swap, give you that for that they, they were loving it love love that uh Phil,
3: you've played against Poland, haven't you? Uh, no, not played against Poland. Uh, I didn't actually play because, surprisingly, I was or unsurprisingly, <laughs> I was injured. But I went on a love story a tour to Poland in uh, God when was it? Two thousand and three or two thousand and four? About nineteen uh, with the uni team. And we played two games. We Played Alston, which was not the nicest area, um, middle of nowhere, little little town that was. Like in a walled walled town that was the town itself. The centre was beautiful, and then as soon as you got outside the walls, oh, the outskirts like, of
4: Verona, awful.
3: Well, it it was like something from Hostel. It was crazy. Um, they, their team would were all right, but nothing amazing. And then we were so on day five of a five day rugby tour, boozing it up all over the show. We played against a team from Warsaw, and they were legit they were like semi professional team we were on a 5 day bender and it was just one way traffic this was middle of december it's about minus 10 in the stadium as well no one wanted to be playing on the pitch and it was like it was 100 points to nil well, was,
4: I, I heard they were like polish under 21s or something yeah i
3: think i think a few of them were like, like um very high level yeah but then one of the weirdest things so this was in a like quite a big stadium on the outskirts of Warsaw, but their clubhouse wasn't in the stadium. It was in the little bar next door, which just happened to be a part-time gay bar. Really, so, so I there, remember. Yes, so I there remember were there was actually like dancing cages in there as well. Amazing. Which was that was very good fun. Awesome. We had a few good beers with awesome. them afterwards as well, which was the most important thing. I I'm
2: mean, ima- the, the image in my, my head is of fifteen Dolph Lundgrens out of Rocky Four.
3: Yeah, except more steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Less blonde, more steroids.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> uh, as for the rugby this weekend, what, what game stood out to you that you enjoyed? All of them. I loved this weekend. Well, it was actually, great, wasn't it? The
4: worst game. Well, I just I don't want to talk. I don't. Wanna, this game was about the players and the fans. <laughs> It wasn't about me, but I will talk about my predictions quickly. Um, yeah, I lost two games. One was Sale. I can't believe that Sale did what they did. In fact, we can talk about that in detail because I've got some thoughts. And credit to Worcester. I mean, it was, on, it was a bit of a flyer. But to go up to Newcastle, yeah. stay over there for an extended period of time and get a draw. Yeah. Newcastle bloody good and they're organised. Yeah. That's really encouraging. In those conditions as well, yeah.
3: which suited Newcastle far more than it suited Worcester. Right. And for, for Finn Smith to slot that conversion from the touchline in those conditions
4: with that much much pressure, fair play. Yeah, pressure from Worcester and also from Leicester because that's going to really ratchet up his price. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I don't know if you watched uh, or what, how much you caught of Quinns against Irish, but I've, I've, oh, I did I've, see I've said it a few times before and you saw it this time. I know from when Nick played at Irish that it's the one game of the year they want to win. And Irish were so up for it. The thing mm. is,
4: I don't think this is an accident. So I, I rated Irish to start with, and then I loathed them for a little bit because they, they were letting me down. But I feel they're getting their act together now. I mm. really do think they're going in the right direction. A draw against Sale, made, maybe that's not that impressive, bearing in mind what we saw today. A draw against Saracens, which is quite impressive, bearing in mind what we saw today. Uh and also a win at Sunday Park, followed by a win at the Champions. That's mm. serious. They, they've they improved
3: significantly. It feels like everything's kind of slotting into place. They just couldn't quite get it right early on. And they had all those nailies, the draws. They, I mean, they're on, they're on three draws already yep. this season. Our nine games, which is remarkable. Three draws.
4: Is it two victories? Two or...
3: wins and four losses, yeah. yeah.
4: Now, of course, draws, draws are still draws. You know, they're not wins. But... If things go slightly differently for these guys, and they are looking really good. Yeah. I,
2: I think from, when I, from what I saw, Quinns will definitely come away thinking they should have won. They, they left quite a few points out on the park. Mm. But, fair yeah. play Irish.
4: Yeah, It's a Quinns thing, right? It's a Quins thing that you, know, you run that risk, you score a lot of points, but you're a little bit leaky. And the other thing as well, they did this with, well, they're missing Smith, they're missing Dombrot, they're missing Liner, they're missing a few lads. Now, everyone's missing lads at some point. Everyone is. They still did relatively well relatively well. they Yeah, they still did well.
3: Quiddens, even missing those players, will be disappointed. Disappointed not to convert some of the chances they had and not to get the points when they were on offer. But Irish, fair play. And one of the things that impressed me most about Irish was the way that they were organised around their driving mall. So their set-piece game, which Augustine Creevy obviously has been uh, riding <laughs> recently to, to score numerous tries. But that looked great. And that yeah. is...
4: That's a sign of a cohesive team. Oh, some of the driving mall setups for Saracens today were brilliant. I tell you what, who, I tell you who's got great driving mall setups and credit to them: Ultram Kersal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I, Ultram Kurzel. And the reason that's important: Do you know who their coach is? You do know who he is. Uh, uh, it
2: is. It's. Um, uh, yes, it is. Briggsy? No, it's not. Close, not Briggsy. I know it's a former sale. No current sale player. Current sale.
3: Uh, it's not horse, is it? Because he was bowled. Um, he he just goes for
4: the cash. Yeah, Oldham Kürzel is Cam Neild. Okay, uh, so yeah. their scrum was on point for part of the game. Mark Queto's old club as well. Oh yeah, 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 true. Um, uh, for part of the game, but honestly, their driving driving wall setups were absolutely brilliant. Their movement, uh, the way they brought the ball down, the quick uh, the quickness of the ball, really, really good. Uh, now, on the driving wall, there is something. <laughs> This is, a, this is a specific
3: altering and Kurzel. Uh, no, no, a general no. point. This is a general point about okay. premiership now.
4: Yeah. I think a lot of teams, a lot of directors of rugby, it's sort of clicked in their head which is, Christ, I might not be as good as I think I am. (laughs) Let's go back to driving malls because at least we have a guaranteed source of something there. Yeah. And I think that's why you're seeing... And also the weather's turning too. Yeah, yeah. But this weekend particularly, it helps. I think it's really, really important for teams. And I think a lot of directors of rugby have had a, a huge shock as to what they're good at, what they're not good at. So I said on our WhatsApp group the other day, these directors of rugby are absolute frauds. Look at the amount of guys that are just not doing a good job. Everyone is beating everyone else. So the guys who are l- legit at the moment Mark McCall. Do you yep. agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Borthwick. Borthwick, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Dean Richards.
3: Yes. Yes, because he works because of the limited um, range of expense of what he works with. Yeah. Who else? Who's going great guns at the moment? There must be someone good in Harlequins. Now it's not
4: to buy Matson, but they
3: must have someone. Must know what they're doing. So
4: I actually think this is exactly the example which sort of proves the point, which is they don't have anyone, and it's just about the players. And they've got some amazing players. Yeah, like players are the ones that win you the game, and then you know if you've got a good DOR on top of that, maybe you can go for. It's like Rob Baxter this year, obviously still a great DOR. He's a brilliant DOR yeah you know, what
3: he's, he's doing is doing has been found out he's struggling this year and i think i think with exeter we've spoke about it in the past um past few weeks so i don't want to go over it, it too much but i think there is a combination of factors there's the law change uh, there's every other team wants to be up to beat exeter because even though they didn't win it last season they are still they were double champions within yep. whatever it is the last 18 months and then um the player injuries
4: i'll give you another one
2: player injuries and the fly half shirt, shirt.
3: I'll give you mm. Sorry I'll give you
4: two
2: more Joe Simmons is either A fullback Or on the bench At the minute Yeah It's yeah, weird actually.
4: Which I, well, I thought It was just temporary But it looks like It's not Well I wonder If this is because They missed the boat With Slade mm. So they had someone They had Slade Who was meant to be The next great 10 next great English 10 And they didn't quite Make it work with him And eventually he was full back And then 12 And then he's finally Settled at 13 And he's a brilliant 13 And drop ball at 13 Even for England mm. Skinner looks a lot Like Slade to me a lot like State. He's a little bit smaller. But he's a sort of same wiry can kind of player. But, um, but how do? You, it's quite rare to go from not
2: not just being in a team, but skippering and and being the fulcrum of a European and Premiership winning side mm. to 15 or on the bench. There's perif- got to be yeah,
4: perif- on uh, the periphery. Uh, well, the one thing we know about this, for a fact, for a fact. Is that Baxter will have really solid, strong reasons for it? Oh yeah, like, oh yeah. It's not just like an yeah, accident. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be some real thought behind why he's not liking Simmons. No, um, and I loved
2: Phil's um, perspective. You know, before it became, before it became more and more clear that this is just on purely on merit and nothing else from in Rob Baxter's mind is when, when Phil said a few months ago or a couple of months back, perhaps it's because he recognises. You, you're going to need to have two players who can play in that position. Stino's gone, and Skinner's going to need to get up to speed. If, if Simmons dropped out in a European Cup semi-final, you need to know you've got game time under your belt in your in your number two. So he's given him game time early in the season, which would be a very Rob Baxter thing to do. It would be. But it would be.
4: We're more than the third way third of the way through.
2: Yeah, yeah. It looks that does look less and less
3: likely. It will be interesting to see when we get close to the business end of the season who wears that shirt, because I. Th- I'd still probably put money on Joe Simmons, which would kind of
2: prove my point.
3: I
4: would love to know what the thinking is. Although Rob Baxter has said like they can't afford, <coughs> like,
2: they can't afford to lose many more games. No, and no. if they lost
4: against Bath, it'd be battle stations. Yeah. Proper yeah, battle stations. Yeah, yeah. Now, just two other coaches who are legitimate. Um, Gloucester, can't remember his name now. Skivington. Skivington must be ace. I mean, yeah, um, my, 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 my prediction
2: on them for the season was so off. I did not expect them to improve as rapidly
4: as they yeah, have. Yeah, me, me neither. And Blackett. Oh, <laughs> I, I've got a lot of time for Lee Blackett. And the reason I say Blackett in particular is because they seem these the teams that are playing well. Seems to be trending towards a certain way, don't they? So Gloucester, you can see, look a little bit like like uh, Leicester lights. Yeah, uh, Leicester, coordinated pack. Yeah, Leicester. I think Saracens are now the, probably the better team in in the Premiership because they've got the coordination and they've got a load, like a load of other things. The reason I like what Blackett does is because it's Completely different, mm-hmm. completely different. That said, had some great forward-dominated tries this yeah. weekend.
2: The, the team that Wasps put on the field this weekend against Gloucester was actually a decent team. That, that said, if any other club had the amount of injuries to senior players that Wasps are, have had and are currently experiencing, I don't think many other clubs would would manage to cope as well as Wasps have. I'm, I'm amazed at the players they've got out and... How they've managed to still uh, stay competitive. One plus point, though, is the return of Alfie Barbary. That was good. Yeah. Yes,
4: exciting. Do you know, here's, the, here's the interesting. I mean, it's not that interesting. You probably know this anyway. But I always think of Alfie Barbary as a hooker. But according to um, people I know, and I won't say any more than that, um, Jones and Wasps coaches, he sat down, and he, he is a number eight now. That yeah. Is, now, I don't. I, I, read, what, I read that quote. Oh, cool. Okay. Good.
3: Yeah, there was a quote saying that. Um, there was a conversation between, I think, the three of them, Barbary, Blackett, and Eddie Jones, and the agreement was
4: back row. Yeah. So, which uh, do also, you like that? What, the the three of them are discussing it? No. The, well, yes, I guess, but he's going to back row.
2: And, there must be something he's not at the required level for, for Hooker.
4: Yeah, scrummaging and lineouts. Yeah, that must be it. That must be it, right? But... Okay, so let's just say he is now going to be... But,
2: but I'm Sorry, I was just stop. going to say, but those things you would think are the, the elements you can develop.
4: Well, yes, and that's... Uh, yeah, I agree with you completely. So my worry is not so much you can't scrimmage or throw in the line out, but I would then wonder, like, how good is he? Because we're going, oh, my God, he's good. Look he at him, carry a ball. But I think, is he that much better than de Murva or... Luke Howe and Dickey, if you just told them to show Pony off the back of a like, <laughs> scrum. Because they'd both be devastating if you just said, look, you don't need to jump in the line out, you don't need to push in a scrum, you don't need to throw in, but here is a ball, run as hard as you can.
2: No, he, he's more than that. You, there's, there's something special, and uh, it's the reason I love Don Brandt, Is the same reason I think Albie, Alfie Barbary is such a talent, Is because he just has a knack. And Rafi Quirk, is in his short time, he's got the same knack. He just appears to read the game that bit better, and he's that much more natural, so he just happens to always be in the right place at the right time
4: and then manhandles people. Yeah, and then uh, Barbie is about manhandling people. I think it is both. Yeah, it, it is both, he, he played
3: yeah. so I think we spoke about this before, but he played hooker at age grade for England. But before that, do you know what position he played? Center, yes, I'll say center. He, well, yes. I, I think, I think both, but yeah, he played center when he was younger. um which, obviously, I don't think he's ever been small. I think he's always been a fairly big lad. So,
4: yeah, I asked, I saw this. How big is he? Because I don't think he's big enough to play 8 for 100. He's not, I don't think he's
3: that tall. I think he's, so he's listed at one. And...
2: I'm, t- I'm definitely taller than him. I've stood next to him. Oh really? Times, Have you yeah. weighed him? And he had studs in. I haven't, I, I I mean, it wouldn't be appropriate for me. I mean, I'd love to. You're um, a I'll... Uh, your man of the match again. Can I pick you up? Of course the COVID rules get in the way of that. So hopefully... When the COVID rule rules are all gone and I can stand next to a player and uh, shake their hand and stuff, I'll, I'll weigh him. So um, do
4: we think he's... I mean, do you think it's a fair comparison to say he's like... Uh, so I think it's very fair to say he is somewhere between Simmons and Luke Cohen-Dickey as a player. Uh, as, uh, I, we're just looking at his... Stature. Stature the way or... He, the way he plays the game.
2: Yeah. What, what, what am I missing I, there? I, I think I'd say it's like... More... A, if I had to fuse him, it would be... Luke Cowan Dickey meets Alex Dombrant. Mm, he's not big enough, though, is he? Is he like, no, no, you have to forget the physical, physical okay. frame. Okay. He, he, he reads the game and plays in that natural... He just arrives in places and tracks lines like Dombrant, but he is, he's a specimen like because I Because the way
4: he manhandles people does remind me of Cowan dickie big time. That, that, that's why yeah. it's in my mind, that if I <coughs> brought Luke Cowan dickie into the back row at, at eight, he'd be dynamite, absolute dynamite. He has no other responsibilities. So he is, according to um, the weight I've got here, he's
3: um, taller and heavier than Luke Karandikki. Is he? Yeah.
2: What's he listed as?
3: Uh, so Luke Karandikki is 6 foot and 111. I'm just trying to get a... Yeah, 111. So Karandikki is 6 foot and 111 kg. Which is about
2: 17 stone.
3: Uh, and Barbary is six one, so an inch taller and 116 kg. That's massive. So five, 5kg is kgs heavier. <laughs> I take them all back. And he's only 21. Yeah. So. He will, and he'll fill out.
4: When I think of a number eight, I think of someone who's about 6 foot 4, 120 kilograms, yeah. and is called the Marlin. I mean, that's kind of, that is. <laughs> and if it's not that, it's not really, I'm not really into it.
3: Yeah. Someone like Pick-a-Moles. <sighs> Stop it. Billy.
4: I mean, Billy's 130 kilos. Parisi.
3: Oh, Parisi.
4: Yeah. That's what I want. Uh, you know, even even something slightly smaller like a uh, Falcao, I'm, I'm into that too. No, I want number eight. I don't want them to play like him, but I want number eight
2: to look like P.S. Piece. He is the benchmark number eight for me. Yes, as that's a, a just great as shout. a physical specimen. Yeah,
3: or Parisse had that that small waist, oh, yeah. massive thighs, massive yeah. chest,
2: huge shoulders. Actually, this reminds me, Phil. You are talking like that? We did have a suggestion that um, we should have a, an occasional or regular feature. Um, Instead of a man of the match or player of the match or whatever, we have a a, a big strong boy of the week. Oh, <laughs> yes. Because you, you, now you're you use that phrase, he's a big strong boy. Oh. I think I think you've even used it, relate, referring to Alfie Barbary. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big strong boy.
3: He's a big strong boy. judging by those stats, I've definitely referred to Alfie Barbary as a big strong boy a few times. It
4: does tell you a few things about um, how we perceive men. That uh, when we hear that a seventeen stone, when we hear the word seventeen stone, we go, yeah. He's too light. Yeah, not he's, that big. He, he, he's too small. <laughs> 17 stone bloody massive. Yeah, 17
2: stone is massive, especially when you're talking 17 stone and like 7% body fat. I mean,
4: massive for an accountant, so I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about Sale Sharks today. Okay. Because I think this is a really good game. Not necessarily because of Sale Sharks. I thought Saracens were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And I thought Billy looks every inch the international eight. Just talking about international eights before. I haven't seen a a number eight play that well for any nation or any club for a
3: good while. I was, so I thought he was out for longer. I thought he was injured and out for, yeah, till Christmas or even the New Year. No. I was surprised when I saw him in the team sheet and he looked great. And to be able to do it for 18 minutes as he
4: has been doing. Just every, everything he did. like There's so much about Saracens which was just pure quality today. i tell you the other guy who I thought was brilliant. Because of his job, he wasn't a major impact on the game, but when he was called up to do something, he did it every time, is, uh, how do you say it? Sa- Sa- Sagan? Uh, Sagan. Uh, Rit- Shagan. Ratimi Shagan. Yeah. He hits like a hammer. So Sale came down his wing three or four times in the same phase of play, and he just smashed boys for fun. Then when he gets the ball, he makes a good handful of yards. That's exactly what you should be doing. And his, his kick chase, obviously,
3: that is a big part of his job in conditions like this weekend and the way that Saracens
4: were playing. Um, he did it brilliantly. Yeah. His kick chase was awesome. Mario was out of this world. His line-out work is just something else. Like, if you don't get your line-outs, absolutely spot on. And Sale got some big jumpers and JP and... Lewd. Lewd, <laughs> if it's not spot on, I mean, those guys are big, tall lads who you can hit at the top of their jump. Anything below that, Marrow is taking. He's taking, he took it one from behind, uh, and he took one just in front of Lude when they were going for a, a driving ball. His speed off the ground is truly elite, like it's it's different levels to everyone else,
3: and his wingspan, his as wingspan. well. Just really? Really, he's not. He's nowhere near as tall as Lude or JP Dupree. He's not as big. He's just he's a just not as tall. But he is. His reading is as athleticism and his wingspan.
2: Talking he, about he, tiny waist and big shoulders, though. Oh, oh my yeah. god, he's just unbelievable.
4: He's specimen. He's brilliant. He's, oh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah, but, uh, no. <laughs> Mario Otoji's brilliant. This is what people
2: come to the podcast for. <laughs> Listen, guys, Mario Otoji's good at rugby. Yeah,
4: sometimes, though, it's too easy to say, oh, Mario's so good, without actually explaining why he's so good. And I just thought he was... I mean, him and Billy today. It's easy, is it? Oh, yeah, they're world-class. <laughs> That's why they're world-class. Yeah. That's why they're world-class. Because they this
3: was... It's not, the, it's not a weak Saracens team, but it's not the strongest no. team that Saracens can put out. And for most of the game, actually, um, weirdly, until the red card when Sale actually kicked into life, Saracens, they never looked like they were going to run away with it and score 50 points, but they always looked comfortable. They always were playing the game in the right areas of the pitch. They knew they could force turnover and force mistakes out of that Sale team, and
4: they could get points when they needed to. Yeah, uh, as for Sale, um, they did not look at the... uh, No, it's not they weren't at the races. Maybe they were at the races too much as... uh, the director of rugby says maybe they were too emotional, and I wonder. You know, do, do you know when? Do you know when people say to, say about kids or you know or say about uh, other people like you know are they okay? You check they're okay. Are they okay? And you ask if you're not okay or you told you're not okay enough, you end up not being okay. Like oh, that must be the reason. self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, exactly. The more you talk about emotion, right, in your press conferences, do you not think that might eventually? Have knock on we weren't emotionally there? We weren't emotionally there. Then Baron McGuigan blows up like for the most ridiculous thing.
3: He he was at that moment in time almost too emotional. Yeah, you might, you might you say might he's say. too emotional.
4: <laughs> like let's not focus on the emotion because this is you know it, it doesn't get you get you anywhere. Um, and that, that's how they looked. They looked like they were rushed and they looked a bit frenetic. They just didn't look good at all. The Baron McGregor instance is really interesting because a lot of people say, "Oh, aren't Saracens absolute shit houses? Aren't they good at you know winding people up?" And the answer is, yeah. The whole point of it is you don't react. Yeah. Like that is they're allowed to do that. They're allowed to do that, and they should do that. And you know the character comes in not by chastising Saracens. The character comes in by not reacting to what they're doing. That's exactly what but you should be. Everyone does that. Every, uh, yeah. If, if you watch the
3: Worcester Newcastle game uh, not long ago, Mike Brown clearing a kick from his... No, no, sorry, it's right at the end of the first half. Mike Brown clearing a kick from his own 22. It gets charged down. Worcester pick it up, Ashley Beck picks it up and scores. And four or five Worcester players like Pat Mike Brown on the head. Yeah, because exactly. Because he's cost Newcastle a try. He's given Worcester a well try. Done, fella, Every, well done, everyone, fella. Well done, Yeah, everyone will do it. Yeah. You go to level eight, everyone will do that we were kind of We're warned about that
4: sort of stuff, Phil. Everyone will do like it. They're actually stricter on us at level eight <laughs> than they are in the premiership about tapping other people but, but on the head.
2: But I, as, as I love the... The phrase, and there is a big difference, is that challenging situations don't build character, they reveal character. And, yes. uh, and that is a test yeah. for you. You uh, you get people goading you. Yep. That that reveals your character, keep you cool. And I just, By- Byron, that was yeah, I mean, so it, uh, stupid. Friend of the pod, a uh, Phil Standing on yes. occasion. We love Byron. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. awesome. B-Max.
4: Boy. <laughs> he's a brilliant lad. Inexcusable behaviour. Yeah, he um, he must be
3: kicking himself for that. Because yeah, because it was, and,
4: and he'll be his own biggest biggest critic there. But my word, I like, you know that's what Saracens do. They put pressure on you until you break, and that's exactly what happened. Exactly yeah. what happened. Like, the Sale did look like a Saracens light, and I'd love to know who came up with the game plan today. You know, if I'm thinking of how am I going to beat Saracens? Oh, I know. I'll run my big runners. What about? One two men out from the ruck, they'll never they'll never cope with that. <laughs> I mean, this is a team that's beat uh, Exeter, they beat not, yeah they have beat Exeter actually, they beat Leinster, they beat Toulouse. Do you think they, they can't beat handle everyone? Yeah, do you think they can't handle a one out runner? I mean, yeah. this can't be it. This can't be it. And yet that was it. Yeah, so, yeah. The Lions, but you've got to... they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't dominate the breakdown in any way. Even when they had two carries on, they didn't affect the breakdown. And as for the set piece, uh, I am starting to. Uh, why don't you start Harrison? I would have started Harrison every day of the week there. Yeah,
3: and it's actually an interesting one. that Obviously, Bevanrod has got the calls, particularly since Sanderson's come in. Harrison, for years, has been one of the most underrated performers in the Premiership. One of the most consistent, when Sale didn't have the options that they currently have in the front row. He was the only one for a while. Yeah, Yeah. he was doing
4: 80 minutes every week. Yeah, he was doing
3: 80 minutes every week. And I think there's a few guys who, obviously, with um, Mako being away for the recent internationals, Marler and Genge both isolating, Beno Barno being injured. Mm. There's a couple of guys who have been premiership stalwarts for years who arguably should have had a shot before Bevan Rod. Now, Bevan Rod played well, but over the long period of time, someone like Harrison, someone like uh, Alex Waller, or the, the two boys at Exeter, who admittedly have had call-ups uh, separately, Hepburn and Moon, you'd argue all
4: of those could be yeah, the, the earlier cab off the rank than, than Bevan. Bevan Rod strikes me as a guy who can scrimmage on mm. occasion, and this sounds like damning with faint praise. I actually find it remarkable, given given his size, that they win any scrums, uh, and it's not because he's a bad player or bad technique. He's got great. He's a great player. He's, he's a great phenomenal player. Play. He's got
3: an amazing engine. Yeah, and he's got great work, technique. Work he, rate is
4: brilliant. He must have because they win scrums, and he's not very big. He really is not very. very
3: not big and, at all and he's young we're talking about uh, Marrow filling out and Alfie Barbary who is going to fill out even more but Bevan Rod what, what is he 21? yes yeah, like he will fill out a lot more but he's a very young man in uh,
4: propping terms very young man I just don't see the logic of going with him against Vincent Cock what did you expect? I mean actually did we not, did we not see this the other week? We literally <laughs> you saw it last week yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Well, they didn't actually
3: scrummage because when Vincent Cock came on, Bevan came, came Rod off. came off, so they didn't actually scrummage last week. Yeah, but um, well, we saw Joe Marler against Vincent Cock.
4: Yes, <laughs> there we go. There we go. So uh, I just thought uh, you know everything about sales performance today was not great, not great at all. Uh, maybe they they did keep in the fight till the end. I'll give them credit there.
3: Well, they came. They came back, and they did this last season on on a few occasions mm-hmm. when they had a man down, man in the bin, or a man off. Um, that was when they sparked into life, and that's what was, was what happened this time. They scored their two tries with uh, McGuire uh, McGuiren, Byron McGuigan uh, off the pitch. Yeah, I.
4: do you listen to sunson's post match? No.
3: Yeah, I, I, I didn't saw hear it. What do you make of it? Um,
4: he didn't say anything that. He, did. he said one thing in particular. He, he admitted he looked at the downsides, then looked at the positives. He said, "I've been, I've, I've been saying we need to improve on our set piece all season." That to me is a shot across the bow to whoever's in charge of that set piece, uh, Dorian West. Yeah, yeah. That, to me, that's in, yeah, okay. So either he's not doing the set piece, or he's telling himself to do the set piece. I'm guessing he's not doing that. Is that um,
2: yeah? But is that well? We'll I'm, I'm not it. suggesting this happens but I've seen this in business before. I've seen this in uh businesses I've observed and and some that I've been involved in where the I'm not suggesting this is happening but I've you you see it happen where bosses will throw someone below them under the bus. Yeah. Uh to deflect. Is
4: it a very yeah. interesting. Str- no, I'm, I'm not sug- I'm no,
2: not no, saying no. that's what's happening but but yeah. if he's ma- if he's making comments like that which directly as you say Point a finger at Dorian West. That's uh, well, mm, it's he, he'll time. be nervous. The, the other, Dorian West be, will be very yeah, nervous. Yeah.
3: The other side of this is it's it's all. I think you mentioned this to me the other week, Jay. It's all diamonds, or the, it's the old regime coaching team, isn't it? Yeah. Sanderson's not brought any of his
4: team in up to now, and he must be itching to do so. Yeah. Now, this is purely from a Machiavellian point of view. Okay. Purely Machiavellian. Now, let's. Go through this. It's not a Sanderson thing at all. But if you're installed into a new organisation, do you make the changes as soon as you get there to get the best team around you, so you can then do your job to the best of your ability, or do you keep the old team around you as sort of sacrificial lambs for when things go wrong, and then you've got a reservoir of people to blame as you go forward? (laughs) I,
3: I would do the former, but I can understand strategy. And doing the latter,
4: yeah. I would do a mixture of both. I'd have a couple of guys that I like, <laughs> but just keep a couple of guys around who I can throw under the bus as well. Yeah. Work. Do you watch? Have at.
2: you got into Succession? Uh, succession yet? Yeah. Oh, I, JB, get into Succession, man. One. I'm
4: going to try and do season two. Oh, season
2: two is. What did you think of season one? It's reasonable? Yeah, it was. It, it's good. I, no. I love it. Like what one of uh, <laughs> someone I spoke to that I recommended it to you said, I'm, "I'm struggling because." They're just all horrible. They
4: are all yeah. horrible. Yes. Yes, that's it. They are. Remember, Thro- Game of Thrones, everyone's horrible. That's the yeah. most successful TV show yeah, ever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, um, it
2: is like a big big but, media conglomerate Game of Thrones. It is. It's
4: is it? Which one's Connor? Is Connor the... Is there a Connor? We made that up. Connor. Who is the... Hold on a second. The, the tall, handsome... Husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Connor. Oh, yeah. He's he's the guy who was in Ferris Bueller back in the day.
4: Is that, is that who he is? Yeah. Huh.
2: It, well, not not, not uh, Matthew Broderick, the main one, like um, Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
4: No, I'm thinking of... Yeah, no, you are thinking of the one. No, I'm thinking of the tall husband of the one that's meant to be Rupert Murdoch's daughter. No, yes. Oh, Tom. Tom. He's the best character because he's so, he's so dislikable.
2: Yeah, he is so dislikable. And, and he's, he's exactly who I was thinking of. He has got Greg as his... That's the one, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's got something ready to feed to the sharks if he needs to. Perfect. Perfect.
4: So yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'd keep a few guys, to, but I, I wonder if we're going to see the first change very shortly. Mm. Very shortly, because they're doing okay, Sale. But where do they expect to be by now? I think they expect to be i I'm, I'm looking at the yeah. league
2: table. They were not expected to be 17 points from nine games. Yeah, and in 10th place. That said, look at London Irish, seventh with two wins. Yeah, eight yeah. 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 rounds. Yeah. It's incredible. Two wins,
3: but three draws and seven bonus points as well.
2: Yeah. But sale with 17 points is a big concern for them. Bristol played one game fewer on 14 points. And that when you ask the question about DORs who are legit, I would actually put Chris Boyd in that category.
4: Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I would yeah. Look, I think they're all to a certain degree very good. I just wonder if their powers now that everyone is basically at the cap because the cap has been restricted so much really coming to the fore. And actually, what isn't important is what the DOR does as such. Well, maybe it is. Well, well it is.
2: I think in the case of Bristol, it is the... I was going to say mismanagement. It's not, it's not mismanagement because it worked last season. They finished top of the league in the regular season. But yeah. the management of the salary cap mm. can be can work out for you, but it can see you sitting 11th with 14 points after eight games. It's a gamble,
3: so, right? So I was thinking about this. The Bristol... Um, salary cap, and the problem with it, and let, let, let me define the problem first. So they have got um, five players who are all on more than half a million pounds. Yeah, they've got Sinclair, Nathan Hughes, Lua Tuia, Pietau, So five players all on half a million pounds. One of those is a marquee player, or more, or more. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I think significantly more, and Pieta significantly more. Yeah, yeah. But you take one of those out of the equation. But then you've got four players on greater than half a million, and that is, well, it's more than forty percent of your salary cap. It's but they're allowed two to,
2: marquee players, right? One. Well, got, well, used they to be have two. two. Uh, yeah, They've okay, two. But for this season, they still currently have two. So Pierre and Randrandra will be will marquee. be both. But nevertheless, but it's one and a half million pounds at least.
3: Yes, and it's probably more than that because of how far. Some, but anyway, it's such an enormous chunk of your salary cap, is taken up on a handful of players and. Um, for someone like Randra Andra or someone like Nathan Hughes, who for different reasons are not playing this season, that is an enormous gap in yeah. your budget. Now, that works as a short-term strategy because you can get guys where you see value. The prob- So bringing guys like uh, Dan Thomas or Henry Purdy, um, who are, I assume, relatively cheap, or Harry Thacker, relatively yeah. cheap, um, bring them in for low value, get them performing above their market rate. The problem why that is not a long-term strategy is, well, if they're performing above their market rate, then you're going to have to pay them above... Well, you're going to have to pay them their market rate in order to retain them. Yeah. Or you've got to lose them and bring new guys and hope they do the same. So you can't... That's That strategy means that your squad is going to have to be in a constant state of flux where yeah. you're getting in guys at the bottom of their... Their
4: value and raising it up and then moving them on, instead of you paying them. And Bristol have le- yeah. not done that. So the way you get around this, if you're confident with your pickups, is use three-year contracts. And I've spoken about this loads. If you're using two-year contracts, you're screwing yourself because exactly what you've said. You've got Harry Thacker in and he's far better than the two thousand pound a year that you're paying him. Or, yeah, yeah. Or you're paying him fifty grand. Yeah, and he's way. He, he's a one hundred fifty to two hundred grand player. Yeah. Exactly. So, so he's on a two. He's on a two-year contract. Now, the director of rugby will be telling Harry Th- Thacker, "Oh yeah, two years. Uh, back, back yourself. And if you're any good, we'll pay you." And then simultaneously, that same day, while i will turn on to you and say, "Yeah, I've really screwed over Harry Thacker. This is a great deal for us. We've got no commitments. Yada yada yada." Problem is, in the first year, he won't be worth fifty grand because, well, he might be worth. He might be worth. 50 He'll grand. have been signed for decent money when, well, he, when yeah, he moved. Whichever, right? But yeah, anyway. Second year, he'll come into his own. He'll probably be worth what, like, like what you pay him. But then he's gone, and when he goes, he'll then get 150 from the next uh, from from the next club because he's proved his worth as a first team player. Or you've got (laughs) to pay him that full whack. Exactly. If you have him on a three year contract on year two, you bring him into the office and say, "Look, awesome. You're on 50. How about we up you today by 20 grand? So that, but we'll tag on two more years or one one more year." So you, you've always got control of the situation. The downside is, if he gets injured or, or, mm. or he can't contribute, that's far more effective than saying... Two. The two-year contract is the most stupid idea that any director of rugby has ever come up with. Ever. 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 Stupider than the sideways
3: rook. The sideways rook? sideways rook. Cat- caterpillar. I mean, it works. It's pretty It's small. Not, not
4: stupid, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the legalities are of that. I mean... You're, they're bound? Yeah. I mean, they're right, aren't they? They're but then, can they then, like, loop round?
3: Like, circle round the whole thing? If you're bound? Give it a go. <laughs>
4: Give it a go. I don't think you can, can you? I, but, what? As long as you're bound. Yeah, and it's interesting. What does it mean for defences? So you have you have a,
3: a ten-man uh, caterpillar like <laughs> towards your own tri-line, and then you curl it around. <laughs>
0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So <laughs> <laughs> you
3: envelop the scrum half.
2: Yeah, it's a. Because it's a... they're all bound. Where's the off line? if you. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Can you. Yeah, if the tackle is in one spot and you have your long caterpillar ruck, if you walked it all the way around yeah. to the opposition side, this where's the offside line? Oh, no, no, no. The, the offside guess. line no, would still you, be the back feet,
3: the back foot of you, towards you. So the offside line doesn't change, but it's that last man or those last men who, while they are bound, are walking around, like always walking sideways and then backwards. But this, but
2: they'd t- have to be controlling the ball oh, very yeah, carefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the tr- difficulty.
3: But what's all well, no, about? The y- defense? This is the defense. Oh, defense, defense. yeah. yeah. So you got, oh, sorry, I thought so, you were thinking no. ca- turning an
2: attacking right. caterpillar maul into a movable thing. Oh, oh, with like yeah, a ball. Yeah, yeah. So you're thinking no. like,
4: like a tail, and then you sneak over yeah. the try line. Don't touch <laughs> me, don't touch <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what exactly. I'm bound, I'm bound. So this is the So for the listeners, I've got my smartphone, my generic smartphone. Smartphone, Google Six Pro on the um, on on the table, and if you imagine the box kick is occurring here. Well, what happened today, and it only happened once? Is Sarah's no, it didn't. It happened several times. Did it? I only yeah. saw it once. It definitely, because like, I've actually seen a, a couple of little gif snips all of right. it as well. So they bind long. Well, actually, they don't bind that long that way. They bind long, sort of this diagonally. But because they're bound, they sort of come round. Right, so if you think, think of the human centipede, yeah. they've come around like a human centipede, so they're almost facing the wrong way. Or just like a regular centipede. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, they're <laughs> not humans. <Okay. laughs> and so when the, when the box kick comes, they're already in a better position to charge it. Yeah, so Ezekiel did it so at least devious. a couple
0: of times. That-
2: Saracens are always innovating. So devious. The, like- the, 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 I've mentioned the innovation that I want to see someone try, and I think I've mentioned it on the pod before. No one's tried it yet, but someone will very soon, is and we talked about it before so I won't go into it but to take advantage of the law about holding up players over the try line when you're close to your own try line
4: actually yeah.
2: inviting the player on and having a way to lift them up and pull them over your yeah. own line
4: well do you know there was, we used to play defensive games where it's like sort of touch but the difference is you've got to get two shoulders on and, and, then, and then you lift the player lifting a man between two players is remarkably easy mm. remarkably easy look
3: at the uh, the choke
4: tackle yeah, yeah, but we're looking at choke tackle. Choke right? tackle, five metres out, and then just walk him over your try line and fall over. Actually, that is a remarkably good way to do it because the way it used to be is obviously the knee didn't touch. It wasn't the knee law. So now if the knee touches, you've got to really, So yeah. that's how the choke tackle was defeated. Well, if the knee touches the floor now over the goal line, who cares?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's over. It's
4: dropout. Yeah. Done. choke tackle it is. Yeah. Sean O'Brien's gonna get an extension on his London Irish contract. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> we can't depart the actual rugby without mentioning Northampton, who played some brilliant attacking rugby Didn't they once just? again.
4: Yeah. Didn't they just? Uh and gave Bristol a bit of a hiding. And Bristol did alright, you know, they had their organised mall, they were doing fine. I just think Pat Lamb's been massively found out with his you know, with what he's trying to do. There again they are missing some important players. But everybody is, so it doesn't yeah. matter. It well, does not matter.
3: Yeah. Missing players. On individual games can cause issues. Missing players over the season, everyone's in the same position. Yeah. Uh, um
4: and br- they've br- got three wins,
3: actually. So they're, they're not a they're million miles away. Same as Sale. Yeah. Um, Bristol, the disappointing... I didn't see the full game, but the thing that would be disappointing for them is that Northampton's scrum took them apart at times. It really did.
4: Manny, uh, Manny Iergin had a great scrimmage at, at one point. Yeah. And now, obviously, they're missing...
3: Uh, a Foa and Sinclair. Um, there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money there. And a lot of experience and a lot of talent. But f- this this was an issue that caused Bristol problems earlier in the season. Uh, and if they don't find a way to rectify it, then that's going to be a continual problem unless they've got those two boys. Mm-hmm. And A is what,
4: 58 years old now? Uh, at he's at he's, least, he's
3: only got one or two more seasons. I think he's the same I, age as me. I think he might be older.
4: I, I think he's 37. I'm still tearing it up. So I just love I lo-
2: for so many reasons and in so many ways. I I just love Courtney Laws and I love 38. He is. I love that. Last month. I love that Courtney Laws is becoming undeniable um, as someone to love. Even the, even the people that hate him have to love him.
3: <laughs> I I love how he has um, evolved his game over the last few years. tried the last couple of years and. Uh, he still hits incredibly hard. Why he's still we... a dominator in the line out. He's still an absolute force of what... nature.
4: But he's he's soft hands. He's Why don't brilliant. we start up a segment every week called Courtney Love? <laughs> Where we just give our <laughs> love to Courtney. Oh, I like we, it. We do it as a
3: separate podcast.
2: <laughs> Courtney Love. Oh, big courts. And, uh, I, and I, will just, I know we mentioned Exeter. I will just mention Bath actually looked... They look like they've got something to build from.
3: They do. Yeah. They can tell them, as, as you said um, a few times a couple of months ago, JB, Bath can tell themselves a story about the positives in that game, that they've yep. pushed Exeter, who are a very good team, very close, and Exeter, who are stronger than they've been recently, um, they pushed them close, but unfortunately for them, they just get one losing bonus point.
4: Let me tell you this about Bath. Uh, Ed Griffiths has released his report. Uh, they need a defence coach. Who who thought? Who Thank thought? goodness they got Ed Griffiths in yeah. to tell of that. Yeah, I wonder how much that cost. That, that, that of pearl money. of wisdom. A yeah, loss of money. I, I, you know, look, if they listen to us, they could have got that for free. They could have got it for free. But here's a serious. You're point. not
3: free though, JB. If no, you're going to do the I role, I will
4: expect payment. It might not be monetary, but I will get my pound of flesh. Now, this is why it's important, though, because I think this is the beginning of the beginning for Bath. Now they are going to be good at some point between now next season because I'm convinced that Ed Griffiths is gonna do a good job there. I just I'm sure he is. You know, he's done a good job everywhere everywhere that he's been. He's an absolute formidable character. He's setting the groundwork to get rid of everybody, is what I believe. So he said results have to improve. They have to improve. Again, you could have got that from me. You could have got that anywhere really when you're winless <laughs> you know all season. But I'm pretty Results sure. can't get any worse. I think you're gonna see an influx of people From Saracens into Bath. And now that is the obvious thing. But he's also mentioned the need for a team psychologist. Do you know who had a team psychologist? Saracens. Correct. Uh, And you listen to what Alex Sanderson says all the time. He's talking about psychology, this, that, and the other. Do you know what I was going to. That's what I trained
2: well not trained that's what i studied and intended to do was to be a sports psychologist and what
4: well, you decided you didn't want to waste everyone's time yeah
2: if, well so i i did a postgraduate um applied psychology research stuff and i was working at, at bath university with the badminton players the bobsleigh yeah. team all the rest of it uh, and the reason i didn't is because it all, the the only jobs there were you could you basically had to be a lecturer doing uh, research and there was no hands on actual there, there weren't enough Actual doing the sports psychology stuff now that now there is uh, but,
4: you, um, you you did thing on you on kayaking
2: oh yeah 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 well no I've yeah I've mentioned that before yeah. the, this little centering technique where they just squeeze you you can train yourself to just by a little key, physical cue like squeezing your paddle now, you, you can get yourself
4: into is this the, the Gary Player red dot thing switch off switch on look at the red dot yeah basically yeah basically which way yeah. where you can you know high five and have no, a good time.
2: it's just cool to hear yeah. that there are now plenty of jobs to well, the point that they're going well, well not for you it's get not one in not for me well no, no but i've, done, I've, it, I've it. done all
4: right yeah all yeah, right. Yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah um it worked out so a saracen story on their psychologist was basically they found out that there was a role like this in cricket and i think the guy came from the cricket players union he mm. said well cricket's got a resource which is a psychologist we'll just take that and we'll put it into Saracens and it's really po- popular and they'd be doing things like organising debate clubs I think <laughs> what's the debate subject that Saracens did it's not like is religion real or something bizarre And I, I think that's like I think it's mixed between this guy who's uh, the guy, I think the guy's called David Jones and Alex Anderson and that's what they would do they, they would do weird little things things like
2: that and then also they'll go occasionally let's get on the beers Jump yeah. out of a plane and get on the beers.
4: Once you've got your own, But isn't it not like having kids and, you know, they can only have their dessert once they finish their line-outs? No, once they finish <laughs> their dinner. Once they finish their dinner. Yeah. Like, you finish your dinner and then you have dessert. Finish yes. your line-outs. Line-outs good? Phenomenal. Then, then have, Now we have beers. Let's get some beers in. Yeah. Do your line-outs first. But so, yeah, I... Already, I think Bath have already got the ex-Saracens communication guy. From when they all went down, now they've got Ed Griffiths. Don't be surprised if you see a few more of the back room stuff going go, go to Bath. Cool, a little, a little tip it for
2: you. Uh, and uh, other things going on in the world of rugby: Australia are the how? What was it be described as the preferred? Yes, candidate for the next for the 2027 the, World. So so Cup. So they've
3: moved to I think I think it is they've moved to
4: preferred bidder stage. Christ, how so, is, when when's this for? Twenty twenty seven. How many jobs will we need to have by then to get in? <laughs> will we even be able to go? Yeah. Whole world will be
3: shut down again.
4: Sixty four
2: jobs
3: to go well, to the yeah. next World Cup. Can't but, wait.
4: I mean, yeah, the way Australia
2: is right now, well, <laughs> Jesus. Yes.
3: Yeah. So no, yeah, I'm not sure we want to go. For no, the thank moment. you. No but, thanks. But the more interesting thing. Hopefully, it'll be better by then.
2: Obviously. Anyway, yes. Yes. Yeah, it can't be much worse. Jeez, can't be much
3: worse. Um, so. 2023 France, 2027 Australia as preferred bidder. So I think they're in like a one-on-one position. But the announcement f- um, from World Rugby also said that they are taking a bid from uh, Rugby America very seriously for 2031. I don't have, previously, that long. Previously, oh, I do have that
4: long. But I do that long. There's a
3: I, lot of Fridays between now. and then. I don't want to wait then. that long. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm disappointed Argentina, uh, they did, obviously didn't throw the hat in the ring, but I'm disappointed Argentina as a, huge rugby nation or Italy for that matter as a huge rugby yeah. nation yeah
3: and Italy Italy do have loads the of stadiums stadium, yeah loads of stadiums they've got loads of football stadiums have got lots of infrastructure they've got enough hotels to ho- host an influx of half a million people
2: but fine we can take it to Australia again I guess yeah
4: fine, fine whatever it doesn't inspire me don't really care much for it so. yeah
2: hey do you want but to it hear just a- it means also having you have to have there's nothing wrong with breakfast, but it means having to watch games
4: with breakfast rather than watching games. I do quite with like beers. that though. I, I love. Well, that. We can have a few, a few be- breakfast beers. Yeah, because tell you, well, it's actually I disagree with you here because one, my favourite meal of the day is breakfast. Actually, no, my second favourite meal of the day is breakfast. My first favourite meal of the day is all day brunch, so <laughs> that works very well. So for watching when a there's a, when
2: there's an evening kickoff in the UK, no, but this is it. The games will be through the night
3: well the pro the problem is yeah. an early kickoff, so like a midday kickoff or a two p m kickoff Australian time will be like three in the morning yeah. u k time that's the problem the
2: the late kickoff will be eight a m but fortunately
3: all the England games will be late kickoffs yeah yeah all the with. all the important ones because of the,
4: the biggest market yeah I, I yeah I'll live with it it'll be all right just about just about all right i think yes. I remember Wales playing at like five in the morning so ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that that is a good point. We actually. have
3: seen it before in 2003 and 2011, and then 67 uh, percent of the Lions tours.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. Which is kind of my point about why I'm disappointed. It's not being going elsewhere.
4: But fine, yeah, fine, yeah. fine, fine. fine. Yeah. Spain,
3: Spain or Italy would be Hey, great. let me tell you a story. Um, Spain um, and Italy as, a, as and Italy. a
4: combined bid. Why not? Let Spain Spain me tell you a story about um, my conversation. With Premiership Rugby this week.
2: Yes, before you do that, I was just going to say um, the, the other thing to mention is, and this follows on from a pretty scathing second podcast last week. Oh, yes. Um, and one of the, th- the things which we pointed out about Razzie Rasmus and the South African Rugby Union was not just what Razzie did in the first place, but the lack of contrition and the fact they were going to appeal when they were clearly... Banged well, Razzie was banged to rights and had no leg to stand on. Fortunately, sense has prevailed and Razzie and the South African rugby union have withdrawn their appeal notices. Razzie has also apologised. So finally some sense has been restored to an ugly situation. I
4: am against the apology. Unsurprisingly, I am against the apology. I think everything else in the post has been absolutely fine. It's all checked out. I think it's good. I think the right to stand down, that's fine. Why do you need to make him apologise? I don't get that bit. I don't get... I don't like the little... I don't like the bit about... You know, you must bend the knee. You must... That is
2: infantilising a grown man a little bit. Yeah,
4: just... he. he, if, he what, if he
2: wants to do that, that's fine.
4: Yeah, if he really means it, please apologise. You know, I think it's you know, a good thing to do. But, but that's for him to do. Yes. It's not for him to be told to do. And the fact that they've written it down somewhere... But just, yeah. They should just leave it. And if he wants to, he can. I quite like it, because, but
3: only because... And Razif. Uh, I don't think I've read the full apology, but I don't think he did this. I quite like forcing him to do it, because then he can have the most like sarcastic, insincere, yeah. written, worded apology. Was it 27 words? Three cheers <laughs> for World Rugby. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. World Rugby. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I am sorry. sorry. Style. Move on. Yeah. Now, on, on this, I don't know if the, either of you caught the Morgan Sports Law... Um,
4: oh, no! ...briefing the other day. But can I just say about Morgan Sports Law, that is Ben... Ben Sisneros. Sisneros. He did a really awesome um, seminar. Seminar this week, which I did. You go to it? Nope. I I did. Steve Diamond. Steve Diamond. Yeah, that's
3: that's what I'm referring to.
4: Oh right. Did did, did you go
3: to it? Uh, I I was unavailable at 10am on a Wednesday morning, so I watched it um, recorded. Oh af, right. So I, dial,
4: I dialed in live. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. It's got very interesting. Fill me in on the sort of uh, br- briefly the highlights. So, um, Ben Sisneros, Ruby and the Law. At Ruby Law on Twitter, very good, um, very knowledgeable uh, trainee lawyer. There was Steve Flynn, who is a lawyer, um, works in sports. There's then Matthew O'Grady, who is a former referee and barrister, alongside Chris Jones of yep. the BBC. And Steve Diamond, discussing the finer points of the Razzie Rasmus case. It was really interesting, really good conversation. Some of the stuff that Diamond said was was really intriguing.
4: Yeah, I thought so as well.
3: Around so, I was very interested in both the fact that Diamond came down hard on Razzie. Diamond was really outspoken about how bad he saw this as being, and that he he really he went to great lengths to uh, disaggregate the the hot debrief as we've called it in the past, where. Diamond in the past has been in trouble several times, but as he has walked off the pitch, he's lost, he's angry, he's frustrated. There's a camera and a microphone pointing in his face, and he says something he shouldn't have compared to this, which is the other end. This is like two days later, the dust has settled. This was a cold, calculated assassination of Nick Berry as an individual. So really interesting, that side. And then Diamond actually, did you hear the point he made? that He said about five or six years ago videos were going around, not to this extent, but there were videos that were being sent to referees to point out... So, like, a DOR would produce a, a short video, a couple of minutes, send it to the referees, not to the press yeah. or, or leak it or anything like that, saying, watch out for this. Their tight head likes to go in. They have hands on the floor here. They're playing with, the, like, just having a few, basically, points to the referee about the opposition for the game ahead and he said that was getting out of hand and they basically all they stopped it by making a rule that if it gets sent to the referees it also goes to the opposition DOR. Ah, I
4: think that's a great great rule. Yes, I, I think I, it's I a, a great run, yeah. yeah. That is a good rule. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen one of these one of these videos actually. Uh, but not before the game but after, after the game. game. Yeah, yeah, after is after a
3: bit different this before it's the it's the it's the deliberate influencing of the referee. Some of which can be like subtle, yeah, and some of which is far less subtle. They they
4: also had, they, being Saracens, had analysis on the referee. So when analysis really got serious, when they got really serious about what they were doing, obviously they handed out their stat packs, and one of the stats had the amount of time on average the referee uh, would take before blowing up for a holding on penalty, Mm. which I quite like. I don't know if they still do that. Mm. Probably not, because I think probably every referee is pretty similar now. Now, I thought the, that conversation
3: was really interesting. There were two bits that were absent from it for me, and one of those was they they touched on it, but not in enough detail for me. Which was just how much shit Razzie threw at the wall to try and get out of, um, to try and get out of anything. And he threw everything. <laughs> he, he even he tried to make the hearing public by trying to invoke the European. Um, Convention for Human Rights. Well, that, that's not going to wash in the UK, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But it, like, just so that and everything that he did to try and avoid and, and to not recognise that he had been wrong, they, they, I don't think they touched on that enough. And the other side of it that I don't think was touched on at all, but I'd love to get their take on it, which is something I mentioned last week, which is the Nick Berry was not the target in this. Razzy Rasmus totally assassinated Nick Berry without the intention of that was just collateral damage. his total focus was on influencing the referees for the future tests yeah, and that is the one it's like the elephant in the room for me it's not addressed in the eighty page report it wasn't addressed in in the this conversation and i it's probably because they don't need to because they can get him on the proven stuff but it it's just not been addressed that Razzie's actual intention for of the video, it doesn't seem to be addressed anywhere.
4: The the fact that he wanted to influence. Yeah,
3: it, it wasn't about it. So he's been done for threatening Nick Berry. Yeah. for releasing a video that um, was abusive for the abusive nature of the video. Blah blah blah. It's all about what he said about Nick Berry. His intention of saying the reason why he said all that stuff about Nick Berry was not to. Um, disparaged Nick disparage yeah. Nick's Berry it was all about influencing the referees for the future test and that's the bit that's never I I'm not, I might have just missed it but that's the bit that's not been addressed and I just I'm interested to get um, well the fine legal mind take as well, to why that's not well, been we addressed
2: well we might get well again I suppose that's that's Difficult to prove unless Razzie admits it. That said, Supersport in South Africa are making a documentary on this.
3: Cannot wait to watch that. I
2: cannot wait to watch that either. I wonder whether the outcome might be uh, more reasons for piss to boil. Um, Yeah over Razzie I wonder if this will be his alright I'll take my medicine now I've had to and I've been forced well, to well he did say wherever this ends I'll up including Supersport yeah no
4: yeah <laughs> so um, hope this doesn't end up on Supersport yeah. <laughs> I, I hope
2: it doesn't drag rugby through the mud again I, I genuinely think it will I think I, it will. I, can,
3: I can honestly see another disciplinary hearing after that super Sport documentary comes out yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah Anyway, let's. Talk- uh, anyway, so JB, do you what- want to
4: talk about how the game is administered? Because that's kind of what we were talking about then. How the game is administered. Okay, let's go for <laughs> it. Now, if you want to talk about getting into trouble, this will get me into some trouble, no doubt, <laughs> which is exactly why I'm here. So, you may have noticed uh, it's rainbowfication Week in the Premiership. Everything's got have a rainbow on it. Uh, corner flags, referees I, I honestly don't think this is going to stop until every team is playing in, uh, well, two teams both in identical rainbow strips, I think that is the natural progression of where this is going to go But
3: no, blind people, one
4: horizontal and one vertical rainbow. Yes, yes, exactly right, that's the only way that uh, this can possibly go So, I call Pre- Premier Rugby this week Friday to be precise, to ask questions about this campaign, because one of the reasons it has attracted my attention is because it's still linked to Stonewall now, anyone who's followed the news will tell you that Stonewall has got its own problems. And I don't think that they're a particularly good organisation to partner with. There are many other LGBTQ plus organisations or just LGBT or just LGB organisations that you can part- partner with. So I wanted to know the rationale behind it.
2: Yeah, and, and specifically on that point, if anyone yeah. doesn't, doesn't know anything, <laughs> that, that, that um, many, many corporations, many, many companies, many, many other organisations are withdrawing from activity with Stonewall because of issues with yeah. trans identification and whatever, which we don't need to get into, but it, is on its, it was enough for me as well. I didn't realise the whole Rainbow
4: Laces was Stonewall until... Well, Bristol tweeted about it, and then everyone tweeted about it, and then I like, Googled it, and it turns out it's a Stonewall company. Exactly, it's now, a Stonewall just campaign. Just on Stonewall, like, historically... You know, they're an organisation that deserves a lot of credit. Absolutely. It's only recently that this controversy has come about about them. And like you say, it's not really for this podcast. Go and look at why that's controversial. But we might get into a little bit of why it affects rugby later on. So I called Premiership Rugby and I said to them, why are we doing this? Uh, is there any particular reason? Now, uh, And I'm sure the question wasn't why are we doing this, it's why are we doing this? No, no. It was why are we doing this? It was it was the former, not the former, not the latter. Uh, because I just don't think it's a. I don't think it's a good idea. And the answer that I got from Premier Rugby and the subsequent conversation that I had with them is truly astonishing. So Premiership Rugby, tell me, uh, and I was calling in my capacity as a podcaster.
2: Yeah, so just checking. This is all
4: like, yeah, this is not off the record on, on the is, record chat. This is just uh, okay. Calling. Just just
2: just do due diligence. Just checking. Yeah,
4: this is me calling as um, uh, as a podcaster. They said that they have done diversity uh, campaigns and inclusion campaigns in the past. They're currently doing one now, and they will always do them in the future. To which I said, "That's a bit strange, is it not? Would you not hope to stop if we reached equality? Would that not be a good thing to do?" The answer I then received was that I don't understand, I don't get out enough, and that if I did understand, I would know that LGBTQ plus people are underrepresented in premiership stadiums. Now, this really put, put up my interest, because what what bit of information do you think you would need to know in order to make that statement? You would need, need, need
3: to know what the representation in the general population is and then how that compares to a premiership rugby ground. And
2: to achieve that, you would have to use uh, some kind of measuring metric um, standardised
4: statistic that you, you can then standardise and statistically analyse. Yeah, absolutely right. So I asked premiership rugby, how many LGBTQ plus people are in your stadiums on any given week? And they didn't answer me. They just said, we need to do better every week. I said, do you have the number? Are you sure? I said, yep. We are sure that they are underrepresented. So what is the number? Do you have a percentage? Do you have gross numbers? And this is just in stadiums? Or is this across stadiums. the game players? It is, no, it was specifically okay. spectators in stadiums. This is mm-hmm. exactly what was said. So no idea how many people were, were in the stadium from that community, which then begs the question, how do you know you've got a problem? If they don't know that... They don't know what the percentage is. How they know that? How how do they not know? Or how do they know that they've got, got a problem? Now I'm willing just to say that if you're in Premiership Rugby, maybe you've got a gut feeling that people are underrepresented or people are overrepresented. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah. So I asked them then, what level do you think you need to get to before equality is achieved? What level? What number do you think that they gave me?
3: Well, if if they can't give you the current number it's hard to then give any subsequent number <laughs> with any credibility.
4: Yes. So do you think they've got... But they might have a target. It might go, hey, look, we'll get to 20% one day. I don't know what the general, what the general population figure I, I'd would say, be. Yeah,
3: if slightly better... Than, but then I would say better. Don't, surely equality would be representative. equivalent to... Yeah, representative. Because better, if there's more of one group of people, there are fewer of another group of people yeah this is
2: why I by the way this is why I dislike I think it's such reductive thinking to see everybody as groups
4: absolutely 100% 100%. so the answer is for premiership rugby the actual answer is this blows my mind there is no upper limit so now I'm really interested no upper limit does that mean 100% well uh, yeah I guess it does
3: 100% of people in the stadium and then a thousand percent of people queuing up outside
4: who were begging to get into the stadium <laughs> yeah. so and by the way we don't know it's not a hundred percent it might be we, we have no idea so they don't know the problem that they're that they're willing to cast aspersions on the premiership saying that we're underrepresenting people presumably because of some form of horrible discrimination but they don't know they've got a problem and furthermore they can't actually tell me when the problem will be solved other than and this is actually their measure there is no upper limit so there's no upper no up limit. So I pushed a bit harder. I went, okay, so it's not 100%, is it? Because no, that's, that, that's that's ridiculous. Is it 50? Yeah, I think we'd be quite happy at 50% LGBTQ plus in the stadiums. So I would then, I then followed that with, is this not a case then that you'd be discriminating against other people or other people would be underrepresented, you know, um, you know, from all sorts of backgrounds? That, and this again is an actual quote, that doesn't matter because they are not discriminated against minorities. So if you're not from a discriminated minority, you are categorically, on the record, less important to premiership rugby than if you are. Well, also, again, the reductive thinking
2: here, one is to see everybody in terms of an identity group. And secondly, it's to see any disparity in numbers as a consequence of
4: discrimination. Exactly. What if... Nobody from the LGBTQ population wants to come. What are we going to do? Just force them there? I mean, it, and that's exactly it. People want to do what do what they want to do. And,
2: and if you start slicing up into, well, yeah, and this is the issue I have. If you start slicing everybody into an identity group, well, how many different identity groups do you fit into? Am I, am I, um, oh, that, yeah, exactly. that 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 person? Am, am I? Do I count as gay or because I'm Muslim? Do I count as Muslim or am yeah. I also, uh, wh- wh- however you want to slice, exactly. working class? middle class like you can you can infinitely slice people up into these groups i i i'm all for making the sport welcoming
4: to everybody Ooh. but there's got to be bigger picture ways we do that rather than the, well rather than this i mean this is completely back, backwards thinking so uh, then i asked them uh two further questions which was have you ever measured lgbtq plus people in your stadiums historically and if so how do you do it and they told me that that was the single most stupid question that they'd heard. And even if they could do it, they wouldn't do it. So they've got a problem which they don't know if they have. They have a solution which they don't know. Well, they, they don't know what the solution looks like. And even if they could measure it, they wouldn't. Me- they, they they wouldn't measure it all the time, telling rugby that it discriminates against LGBTQ people. That is simply ridiculous. Well, in, in terms of the messaging
2: from from clubs from uh, BT Sport, for example, the broadcaster, from the messaging. I don't think it. the messaging has been everybody's welcome, basically. So in terms of what the actual messaging they're saying, the word discrimination I don't really think has come up very
4: much. No. But, it's, but, but I understand maybe?
2: it's sort of um, in, implicit...
4: A lot of people can read it that way. So this actually, you think, okay, why on earth am I going down this garden path here? What is, what is the point? Why can't I just accept that, you know, we all just wave a rainbow flag and we're all just allies and, you know, we all, we all uh, are all happy. Why can't I just toe the line and shut up? Yeah, because so, <laughs> some people would characterize
2: yeah. you right now as uh, that you're anti-LGBT yeah. community. That, that's that, how a lot of people, and we know, we know the type, that's how yeah. they, they would characterize this chat you're having now. There yeah. are
4: two reasons. Okay, number one, it is utter incompetence not to know who is in your stadium. So, for Premiership Rugby to say they have a problem in their crowd and not be able to quantify it as I've just demonstrated tells me they have not a single idea who they're trying to communicate to and how best and how best best to do that. So, Wasps this week on Friday night there was only five thousand people in uh, uh, in the stadium. Is that, all? that that in was a, it in a thirty thousand seater stadium. Yeah. Why are they not communicating to people who would want to go to Premiership rugby games? Why are they not spending their spending their budgets on budgets on that?
2: So second of all, yeah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah,
4: second of all, let's just assume that Premiership rugby are right, and I'm open to the fact that they could be right, even though they have no way of proving it and never would want to prove it, even if they could. Um, what if this campaign is not actually doing any good? What if there's just a really simple thing rugby can do? to increase its diversity and representation. But we don't know because we don't want to measure it and we never would measure it. I mean, it's the most stupid thing I've, I've ever heard of. And I gave the PR director a simple analogy, which was, if I was playing a game of rugby and I was analysing my game and I said I need to improve my tackle count, but that was based on not knowing what my tackle count was and what I wanted, and what I wanted it to be, that would be absolutely, absolutely stupid. And they said, yeah, but you're right. Just go out and make one more tackle, JB. Uh, 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 You will improve. I said to them, I didn't use that analogy because it was a good one. I used it because it was a terrible one. And this is exactly what you're doing. Uh, And their views on other things are absolutely remarkable. So I asked them about... uh, what do you do for people with learning difficulties like dyslexia? Because they are they are obviously discriminated against, and they said you can go and play mixed ability rugby. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I've, I have played like a, you can you can go and play mixed ability rugby, JV because yeah, of your dys- dyslexia. Yeah, I, I get my I get my grammar, my spelling wrong. I've now got fifteen more years at top level rugby playing mixed ability rugby after my <laughs> six hundred plus games at club rugby. These people are lunatics, but it's really important because you know if I spoke to a club owner earlier on uh, this week. And he reckons he spends like 20 million quid propping up a rugby team. And I just think that is money thrown down the drain because your central resource is so poor. It is so poor. And, you know, if this is what they're doing on this particular subject, what are they doing in everything else? It just makes you think, has anyone got any clue what they're doing? It sounds like they have decided to co-opt gay people. Oh, Sorry, LGBTQ plus, in order to get some pocket money from a bank, literally from banks and sponsors, and that's as far as it goes there's no thought behind it, there's no strategy, there's no real inclusion it's literally, let's go and get, it. it is the worst, when people say woke woke people are not gay people that want better representation or uh, trans trans people, woke is a word for idiots that do this for just, you know, narcissistic reasons, and that's exactly what Premiership Rugby have done, There's, there's no other word for it so you're not going to be wearing your rainbow laces to uh, Talk H next week? If I thought it made a difference, I would, mm. but it doesn't, so I won't. Uh, now there is one finer point on this, and I said it at the start. The partnership with Stonewall is actually quite controversial because I was
2: I was, I was just going to make that point, as in, if the objective, and I've got no, I'm, I want everybody that can enjoy rugby as a spectator, as a player, taking their kids along. I want everybody to do that. Yeah, and that's my objective. I want everybody to do it, and the numbers are such and are dwindling that I don't, I don't care where that comes from, overall. But I do want, I do see where the growth areas are, and the growth areas, as I see it, are in working class communities. Yeah. Yep. Um. Well, say Muslim, Asian. Yeah. Um, Indian subcontinent. I, I don't know how to describe the group, uh, but you you understand the growth areas are like everyone that wants to, wants to play rugby. Yeah, right? everyone yeah, yeah wants to the, play rugby. The, the growth, <laughs> there, the the growth areas first and foremost are people who might be interested in rugby, but but secondly there are huge groups of people who I could I would strategically try and open the game up to who have never even considered getting involved in the game or watching a match, and there's uh, there's loads of them. The point I was going to make was this: this is the reason why the rainbow laces thing. Just I have a little question mark next to it, is because I. I've chatted to, I've chatted to several uh, gay friends about this, and they really, really do not like Stonewall. They think it is
4: it, it is inflammatory to a lot of gay people. Well, oh yeah, women's rugby. Anecdotally, I don't have the stats that it's me just as bad as uh, Premiership rugby, but I would suggest there's quite a lot of lesbians playing women's rugby. I, I think that's a fair, a fair thing to say. Who gets the raw deal from this from most of Stonewall co- campaigning at the moment? lesbians so premiership rugby have decided to throw the lot in effectively getting involved in this almost like a civil war within that community and maybe they should just make it open to whoever wants to go without having to you know sign with one organization or or another and that'd be my point that's the point that that, that i made to, made to premiership rugby and again the most astounding response which was jb we need to do something I said, no, you don't. You'd be better off doing nothing and making rugby really attractive. Because, well, that, that'll, be the, that, that'll be the quote then, JB. We'll just do nothing. This is the level uh, of administration that rugby has to overcome. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough. So, um, yeah, pretty, you know, why are people wasting money? On this sport, when the people in charge of the sport and promoting the sport are doing such a ter- terrible job, I'm, I'm, sli- I'm,
2: I'm slightly reticent to say it, but I am just going to point out um, something which is, and uh, I'm up for anything which gets more people coming to games, makes more people interested in the game, makes more more people love the game. I, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm up for. Tr- I'm up for it. And I think the intentions for most people are good. It's just clearly not thought through, and they're not measuring your audience. So you can't understand your audience I, I'm, I'm massively surprised I think it's surprised. completely
4: cynical I think it's totally cynical and it's there for one thing and one thing only that's to raise revenue from, from corporate sponsors right. which is dwindling anyway
2: which would lead on to my next point which yeah. is next weekend is the Dubai Sevens <laughs> uh, well it was this weekend
4: oh it was this weekend maybe last weekend wonderful the, but yes.
2: the Dubai Sevens was this weekend So at the, uh, yeah. where rugby has a long standing relationship with having a big very lucrative Sevens tournament in Dubai which which is well attended and the, the Rugby Seven Circus arrives there. Lots of corporate sponsors are on board in a country where it's illegal to be gay.
4: Yeah, I completely agree. And I where people are killed for yeah. it. I also think uh, Premiership Rugby have not been honest with me because they say no nobody has, uh, has changed hands between Stonewall and Premiership Rugby. But I can't imagine being a partner is free. Just knowing what I know about how oh, they... I, I don't work. know,
2: mate. I'm, because, because it, a lot, of, a lot of it is optics and, what, um, mm. and or how it looks, and what, and how people think it looks, how people yeah. think it looks, and fit exactly what you said, it's better to this the sense that it's better to do something yep. now, rather than nothing.
4: Premiership rugby would say in their defence that so, like eighty four percent of LGBTQ plus people do not feel welcome at sporting events or or, or, uh, or sporting grounds. I do not dispute that member. Uh, I'd like to know more about it, but I am going to take it at face value. Not sporting events, why don't we have, why doesn't Premiership Rugby have the numbers for rugby? Because that would be a far better measure than, say, lumping us in with football and cricket and everything else. And I don't know what those MMA. MMA, yeah.
3: I remember going to an MMA uh, thing with you in, in Bolton I felt intimidated. <laughs> yes. I was with you
4: and uh, Ali Ellis. Yes. Literally everybody in there, L G B T Q plus or not, was intimidated. There yeah. was a hundred percent intimidation rate right there. It was very <laughs> exciting because of it. Well the other <laughs> yeah. the other element is if right. there
2: are if there are sports that have significantly better outcomes in that sense, then you there might be some something to learn. Yeah. Yes. And do you know
4: what yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what premiership should be said? Uh Specifically about my measuring thing. How would you do it? How would you do it? I don't get the sixth-figure salary, by the way, for promoting premiership rugby, despite all that I do down here on the podcast to do exactly (laughs) that, and probably with far more effect than they do. But they said, how would you do it? And just off the top of my head, well, "Well, don't quins have an LGBTQ plus fan club? Surely you should go and talk to them first. They would have far better ideas than just you trying to get corporate money. That that, that would be a far better... The thing which gets me the most... All the clubs have got community projects. They've got ac- academies. They're trying to increase the people through the gates. Uh, and when you go into the community, that message is the polar opposite to what Premiership Rugby have, which is you don't matter to us. And I know, I know that for a fact because when I asked them, "Hey, wouldn't you be underrepresenting other communities?" Well, they literally said they don't matter. They're not oppressed. I mean, it is a. It is a maddening point of view which they're operating with there. I don't know if they're sincere. I don't know if they're reading off a script. I don't know what they what they were thinking. But just to say that it just enrages me. You don't matter because you are not a minority. And the fact is, everybody matters. If if you like watching rugby, you matter, and that should be the message from 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 from, from, from Premiership Rugby. Not that some people matter matter more than others, or indeed that if you're dyslexic, go and play mixed ability rugby. Or with speech impediment, mixed ability rugby.
3: Mm. Well, you've got two. two I rugby. know, I,
4: I, 20 years at the top. Yeah. It's crazy, absolutely crazy.
3: Someone else they could speak to. I met a chap, uh am th- going to introduce him through my brother, um, Baron Hayward, who sits in the House of Lords, who is a former rugby referee.
4: Yeah, I know, uh, I know.
3: And he uh, was telling me when I was chatting to him, he's um, got historic involvement in King's Cross Steelers. Who oh, was he? So links to rugby, links to the House of Lords, links to the Kings Cross Steelers. I'm sure he
4: would be a very interesting person to have a conversation with about yeah. this exact topic. Uh, do you know what? So, uh, you know, we've got so many good role models in um, in rugby who Premiership Rugby could have could have spoken to, but they took a campaign off um, off the shelf because it was commercially expedient. The guy um, that you've just mentioned there, the the, uh, uh, the L, um LGBT group, uh, Nick Heath. Keith yep. there are so many good people to, to talk to and yet they decided not to do it and the communication of the whole thing is just well, dreadful yeah
2: so i would i would rather than saying they've decided not not to do anything it is that they've just done the easy tick yeah I, if let's mm. do we do the rainbow laces thing we can feel good about that it, don't don't talk about dubai don't talk about dubai don't yeah. talk about dubai and um and then also it can't I mean, we've done that now but we need to do something for this And yeah, this. It, I, it's got the best of intentions it really has but actually if it's a problem you actually want to solve this isn't a solution yeah, And
4: it's inc- yes. it is the incompetence of it because I started the conversation thinking this is a total nonsense and not only was I proved it, it was a total, total nonsense um, it also actually led me down the garden path of going somewhere else which is actually I do want to know now I do want to know what the composition of the crowd is I do want to know if we're doing a good or a bad job uh, because I think it's important. If there's an easy change we could make, yeah, we would all do it. Mm. We would all we would all do it tomorrow. And, and one of the things I'm most care. and one of the things I'm
2: most proud of with rugby, which I will say right now, and it's a reason why I would say if you're a, a parent of a of a child, you should take your kid along to mini rugby. If you've got a local rugby club, you should go down and uh, and get involved. You should go and play with the vets team if you've retired and want to get back into it. Is because rugby is one of the most tolerant, friendly, accepting places in your community fact yeah whatever your background and we've talked a number of times about the fact we play you know you'll, you'll sit and you'll have a welder to your left and a, a and a bankers are, a, a, and a, yeah yeah barrister to your left <laughs> a barista, and a barista yeah. to your right barista to your right exactly <laughs> and, and you all come together in this brilliant melting pot and rugby fans sit together they drink together um, and it's an amazing place just the last but, but if there is a yeah. genuine issue we want to know I want to know about it because I it's want that to, I want that to be true
4: yeah, yeah, completely yeah. right. So, just one last thing, right? Uh, I, I don't know how uh, the head of press and 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 uh, ended up there, but I assume he's there to field questions from journalists because he must be the best at fielding questions. It sounds to me like he's never been asked a question in his life. Uh, like a, a, certainly not a challenging question because, well, you, you know, from the answers that I've given you today, uh, it was you know fell it, it was it was a relatively one-sided uh, conversation, I would say. Um, what, what I would suggest is, essentially, this. This, is, this
2: is just a football campaign that rugby have just
4: gone, oh, God, yeah. yeah go it's on. exactly what it is, right? I'll do all that. Uh, get, get this. For every question that I answered, I, sort of, I didn't really get an answer. I got a counter question. And one of the funniest counter questions was, yeah, you're asking me what I'm doing to uh, spread uh, spread rugby. What are you doing? I was like, hang on a minute. I don't throw the fire brigade and say, hey, I've got a fire. Can you come and put it out? And they go, hang on a minute. What are you doing to put it out? Like, you're the fire brigade. You get paid. This is your job. Your job is to know simple things about the crowd. Uh, who, like, who to communicate to, who's watching rugby. These are, they couldn't be more simple questions, could they? They couldn't be more. Uh, yet, they're willing to make these, sw- these sweeping statements. And, and, that, like, and that's the problem. They're just unprepared. It, it's unprofessional. It's unprofessional and it's incompetent. That is the problem. Shall we
3: move on to something that you will be interested in to, to wrap this pod up? Before, Black History Month. Before doing some predictions.
2: <laughs> and, and I'm just going to stick up for JB at this point because some people will characterise you, and you're used to this. Yeah, now. it's fine. Some people will characterise you as being antagonistic and. Why, do you, why um, do you hate gay people, Jay? Yeah, why don't right you just gay? wave
4: the flag and shut up? <laughs> <laughs> that was basically from Premiership Rugby. So,
2: and whilst you are, I mean, one of the first things you said on the podcast, which raised a little smile about, out of me, was about the World Rugby law change. You went that is, that is a mainstream view that it's a good thing. I disagree. I did, I did, <laughs> <laughs> I did giggle, but I am going to stick up for JB and say to to anyone that would characterise this as antagonistic or anything, uh, JB of anyone I know. Um, is just wanting anyone to come and enjoy rugby, whoever the hell you are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's the
4: objective. As as Premiership Rugby said, what have you done to promote rugby? (laughs) (laughs) Ten years into this. Um,
2: Uh, Nearly ten years uh, every single Monday
4: morning. Incredible. Incredible. They don't even know who's talking about them. That's that's how rubbish they are at at their communication strategy. The top four played each other in the championship. Yes. And... um, the top team didn't win. Yes.
2: You? Ealing lost to Doncaster. Doncaster. Twenty two five.
4: Who actually put an equation up, up, didn't they, on their um Instagram of how they won. They put what, sorry? Some sort of a rugby equation up of how they won. It's like look after your line outs and kick the ball along, or something like that. It's like <laughs> something ridiculous So anyone could beat Ridiculously easy. Yeah. Anyone could beat Ealing. We could beat
3: Ealing. And then Jersey Reds beat Cornish Pirates as well to leap so them. Hang on a minute. So this means you've got Ealing in first place, who've won 6 out of 8, 31 points. Yep. Jersey Reds in second place, who've won 5 out of 8, but have drawn one against uh-huh. Ampthill on 29 points, so 2 points behind. And then Cornish Pirates, who've also won 6, same as Ealing, on 28. And Doncaster... On 26. Where are Richmond
2: now? Doncaster are really pushing for a premiership. <laughs> they know a premiership spot's up for grabs. Yeah, <coughs> Doncaster are going for it because they, they sense with Leeds struggling that there is a Yorkshire academy, academy. up for grabs. Yeah. There's there's regional um, dominance dominance <laughs> up for grabs. So Doncaster are really going for it. Cornish Pirates have just got the plans for their new stadium. They are properly going for it. And Ealing have just unveiled their money. new training and they've got a very rich owner and they're properly going for it. This is interesting. Yeah.
4: So I've heard a story. I've heard. Imagine
2: if this didn't matter. Imagine if this <laughs> meant nothing. Well, it does... Well, so, ne- so well ne- it does... So it means... It means something now.
3: N- yeah. One of these can go up to be in the 14-team version for yep. next season that gets locked in for one year and then there's going to be a review
4: after that. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> the other you are saying that they're are foreign investors waiting to come in to buy a team? I don't believe this one bit. I don't believe this one bit. But it's one of those rumours that is going around. And I think the idea behind the rumour is to encourage businessmen to come and buy championship teams pouring money under under the idea that they could sell to a foreign conglomerate once you're in the premiership. So get in now in... Uh, get in, now in in the championship. They offer you tell it, tell you that they know a foreign syndicate that are ready to swoop in and bite off you, providing you get premiership status. Now, I don't know who's fallen for that yet, but that is certainly the conversations which have been had. I think that sounds like nonsense to me personally, knowing what I know about rugby and, and owners, because if that was the case, surely these foreign conglomerates would be buying, well, everyone else. Well, what I would say is that the, the steel,
2: sharpening steel analogy that you've used, you're going to get a good team, which everyone does make it up
3: yeah where mm. in Richmond though uh they are in seventh one three uh,
2: they were
4: second the other week
2: they're they're part time yeah but still they were second. they achieve incredible things uh, they, oh, they've got God. a fantastic coaching team
4: the, int- the best the, coaching team I've heard the
3: interesting thing, so all the, those four teams, Ealing Jersey Cornish Pirates, and Doncaster they've all won five or six out of eight um they all have very similar points against. Uh, ranging from one three six to one five six, so in a very narrow band. Yeah, yeah. Points four suggests that um, Ealing are flat track bullies. So the, points the,
4: pa- the Patrick Liverts of the championship. Uh-huh. Who,
3: who did you described uh, former Irish number eight uh, uh, Jamie Heslip, as a flat track bu- bully yeah, yeah. for a while? Um, so Doncaster points four two hundred and seven, Cornish Pirates points four two hundred and one. Jersey Reds points for 230 Ealing Trailfinders points for 408 Wow. So Ealing are hammering a few teams and then well in these closer games they're struggling. Yeah. Is that like still for Ealing?
4: Uh I think so. I mm-hmm. assume so but I, if I don't If they go up I- that is such a cool story. Yeah. So he literally just wrote about academies he came on uni and just wrote everything he could about academies over and over again until someone paid, paid enough interest to give him a job and if they came up he is now what a very major cog in a promoted team which were formerly nobody's. yeah it's which an amazing it, story I, I, if, if, if,
2: if you could pick a team to go up I mean Ealing's a great story but they're in West London Doncaster I'd, I'd,
4: I'd, yeah, would I'd, you go to Doncaster it would be Cornish Pirates or Doncaster yeah I completely agree Co-
2: yeah Cornish Pirates
3: would be good
4: who the, who's the one that we missed out? Cush Pirates, Doncaster, Ealing. Uh, Jersey. Jersey. Jersey's an interesting you know, one. That is an interesting one. You could see them being a well, bit.
2: Well, with their tax situation as well. No. Like. Oh.
4: <laughs> that's a good point. How many people live in Jersey? Like,
2: like, effectively, they've got a salary cap that's much higher than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. <is, laughs>
4: yeah, that's a good point. In real terms. And they've also got. Um, I imagine Ireland's one of the island's full of very wealthy people.
3: Yes. Um. How many
4: people live there? I'm going to say 100,000.
3: <laughs> pretty much Bob on 97,857. Big go in, in uh, 2011.
4: So, Sale can't fill out a stadium yet, but they will do. And there's what 600,000 in the Greater Manchester area. Oh, Greater Manchester. Oh, no, 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 no like sorry, two, inside, inside the ring road. Inside right? the yeah, ring yeah. road, yeah. I was gonna say, like Greater, Greater Manchester's nearly 3 million. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sorry. So, got that completely wrong. Now, Jersey could potentially be the next bath, which is a very wealthy area. They need a small stadium but the price of ticket like no not not bath forget bath they could be like monaco uh, monaco monaco football club yes it's a small stadium but the ticket prices are six times higher astronomical astronomical but you only need six spectators <laughs> and they get to watch it with like champagne and whatnot i'm into that watch yeah this. yeah i'm massively into that and the seafood on there is excellent mm. excellent mm
2: uh i it, well, i'm going to push you to pick one Phil, rather than us going I went Doncaster or Cornish Pirates. If I had to pick one, mm.
4: for the good of the game, Doncaster. For the good of um, my travel schedule, Jersey. Uh,
2: mm. I'm going to pick
4: Corn- the- Cornish Pirates Corn- would be Pirate, cool. Yeah,
3: I think that I think there's good stories behind all all four of them. Because e- Ealing, it obviously, doesn't have the it it's geographically close to other clubs, but. It's still a pretty cool story. The investment oh, and the, is. the targeted ambition. I'm yeah. going to go
2: Cornish Pirates. If I had to pick one to go up, I'm backing Cornish. I, I'm supporting Cornish Pirates for the remainder of this championship season in, mm. in that in that title push because it is such a rugby hotbed. And I, I've I've used the example before, but I remember um, going down to watch uh, a county cup game at Newbury when Berkshire, the senior Berkshire, I was a kid. I was like a mini, and um, they played Cornwall, and Cornwall brought up. About 10 busloads of fans. I've never seen Newbury Rugby Club as full and as many people having as good a time as when Cornwall
4: came to play. That's a good, that's a good, point. That's a good point. I, I am just torn between my love of Northern Rugby and putting it in Jersey because I, they do so sort of deserve it. They've built a hell of a thing down, down in Jersey. They're well, so well supported. And I, I just, you know, I feel like if Doncaster do it, it's not going to. Do you know what, I feel it's going to be like the second coming of Leeds, uh, or, the, or the
2: third coming of Rotherham? Rotherham, yeah, yeah,
4: that's how I feel it's going to go. There yeah, are, Yorkshire just aren't there's, going to
3: get on board with Premiership rugby. There's a lot of competition from other sports:
4: rugby league and football. I just, how the are they going to fill, Are they going have enough money to spend on their salary cap? I mean, that's what. I, you know, that's what I need to know. I, I believe Jersey will. I believe Jersey will spend right to the limit but will Doncaster mm. but there again Doncaster's more sustainable ultimately if they can because you've got all of the local talent and there is loads around loads in terms of, of players there is yeah. in terms
2: of supporters I think Leeds of Rotherham has shown you that it's not going to be enough for the premiership uh, and there, there is a, there is an issue if I was sat in premiership rugby I'd be going right got a massive county that produces incredible number of England internationals Rainbow Laces so, how do we get Yorkshire men and women to come and watch rugby that is. There you go. A great question. There's too. a project. Work on that.
4: Yeah, and they won't. They won't because you don't matter. Because you're not a not a minority. Players wearing flat caps. Literally the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Imagine like the whippets as as the assistant
4: referees running up and down the side. <laughs> kind of like the rassing. Uh, that
3: is offensive to Yorkshiremen too.
4: Like the rassing of the north. <laughs> I do the way that rassing completely embrace their Parisian spirit well, that's exactly what Don, Don, Doncaster need, Doncaster needs need to do. All of that sort of stuff. All get, of it. Get a Humble. Doncaster cow pie. Yeah. When there. Perfect.
2: Perfect. Yeah, There's great, great rugby clubs in Yorkshire, by the way. Yeah.
4: There is. There is. Um, yeah. Uh, talking of great rugby clubs in Yorkshire, I think Huddersfield, did I say Huddersfield beat Harrogate at the start of the show? No, but you no. said Blackburn beat York. Blackburn beat beat York. Uh, I don't know how Albion went on. Did you follow off They on? won. Did they? against?
2: <clears throat> they won. Uh, I, d- I don't know who against, but I know they won. Braun Park beat
4: Ultram Kurzel. Sedgley had a very good win. I think. Yeah, big win oh, for Sedgley. Back. Oh, Chester. Yes. They gave Chester an absolute beating. Stands one standard. of their players uh, this, uh, this weekend. Yeah, said very very good on front football and some monstrous forwards. Very well organised. Where have they got the forwards from? Why, why don't you know this? <laughs> There's
3: a few old boys uh, still playing, but I don't know. Just harvesting. The northwest, other clubs, talent,
4: classic Sedgley. classic. Sedgley. Uh, is the big South African still playing? No, Krause. What's we'll he now? Forty-six.
3: <laughs> well, it depends which one you mean. Krause. There's been a few big South Africans over the years. Th- mm. three oh uh, Oh yeah. Tim free had...
2: I played it? Uh, uh, Lorry free No, no Tim, Tim Free Tim
3: was Feree. Tim Thuree. Oh yeah, that's right. Big South African was um, DOR. God, he was—he was probably forty when I was still playing. Truck Trucker's hung up his boots now. Has he? I think I didn't he announce it like two years ago. No. On Twitter, I'm sure he did. No, Matt Riley. Yeah. No, no chance. He's, He's still playing. He's definitely still playing. Is he? He's a goal yeah. kicker.
2: Is he? Yeah. I'm, uh, I think I'm oh no, sure he, he, was he does tired. kick. He, sorry. I'm sure I've seen he, his name down as a he, he in conversions, of pens. He, he does kick.
3: Um, I think Stevie Collins Piggy'll still be kicking mostly, but um, I could be wrong on that.
2: Games next weekend, what have we got? Next
3: week's games, Friday the 3rd, uh, we have Gloucester hosting Bristol.
4: Oh, Gloucester host, uh, Gloucester, Gloucester at home. Give
3: me Gloucester. Wow. Um, so, Saturday, I'm going to re- read this in reverse order from what I'm seeing it in. So, all three o'clock kickoffs. we've got Worcester hosting Wasps, a Midlands derby. Tough one, that. I'm going to go for Wasps. Wasps. But
2: well, can, Worcester at home, I can see winning. I'll see the teams first, but yeah, yeah. Was, was, uh, Wasps.
3: Give me Wasps. Then Northampton hosting Bath.
2: This uh, is this is a nice
3: game for Bath, but the Northampton is, are going to look right. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. Saints. Bath need to get... something. They need to be able to tell themselves a story this. I think Bath can this. actually
4: win that game. I,
3: I think they can, but I don't think they will. Did you
4: see a Jomo's mistry? Oh. Which one's was really the Jomo mistry? Um, he's got some skills, that kid. Oh, he's so good, isn't he? Um, Jonathan Joseph knocks it through. Uh, outside oh, the, outside yeah. the boot, Jomo collects... Tries to feed it inside, gives incept to Stuart Hawke. Yes. Devastating. Yeah. Um, we then have
3: London Irish versus Newcastle, which will be Irish. Irish at home. And then we have the much vaunted game that was billed as the cheats versus the racists. <laughs> ex Achieve's host... Uh, Saracens give me the cheats I'm going to say the cheats as well
2: uh, I'm going to say the uh, extra it's, at home
3: it's at Sunday Park
2: I'm going to go for the not cheats the not cheats Ooh,
4: <laughs> yeah. interesting give me, the, give me the cheats
2: they're building towards European Cup because this is the last round of Prem games before uh, a couple before of weeks European. of Champions Cup I Ooh.
4: think extra miles off European Cup Believe you me, I well, think they're going to have a miserable European campaign.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm saying the not cheats in hope more than expectation. But. Do you
4: know what? Why don't they just go back to their old strategy of what is meant to be illegal now and just see if they get pinged for it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, because like refs don't marshal feeding in the scrum. No, yeah,
4: yeah. Like, yeah, it's illegal as a directive out there. Who cares? Yeah. We'll, we'll just do what we're going to do. And if you get pinged, they get pinged. I bet they don't get pinged in, in Europe with bloody Welsh refs and Scottish refs and all sorts of stuff. Oh,
3: we're in, I'm just looking for the fiction in Europe. We're in this stupid two-pool system again. Yeah. Pool A and Pool B, but you only pay, play a quarter of the teams from I your know, pool.
2: I know. I hate that. Yeah. I also hate it because I, I get less games to work on. Yeah, and that's pretty Because there's fewer uh, game rounds.
3: Yes. I and, hate.
2: Did,
3: you, did either of you watch any of the T20 World Cup? No, none of it. No. So, I watched a few of the games, and I do like watching a bit of, bit of cricket, particularly international. Um, I had absolutely no clue what was going on in the grouping, but it actually didn't really matter because when you're. A, so, I'm a casual fan towards cricket in the same way as many people are casual fans towards rugby. Yeah. And I could see that there were different tiers of pools, and then. The big boys played in one pools and the small boys played in another pools. And then, if you're a good small boy, you have got a right to play into the big boy pool, and then you got a right to go through to the the final knockout stages. But I didn't need to understand any of it because all I was doing was watching for like the action, the last five overs of the the second innings, because that's the only bit of the whole
4: whole thing that counts. I've got to say, t twenty is exciting. Those Which last exciting?
3: so th- there's nothing quite like the conclusion of a five day test match when it's on a razor's edge Agreed. yeah but T20 gives you like the it gives you like 60 or 80% of that hit
4: really easily yes like really frequently so do you remember when Holland beat England yes that was I'm sure that was coincided with the that was 12 years ago wasn't it because that was when the Lions played South Africa last time around I remember I also remember
2: when England oh, that, that was a test match though wasn't it when England lost to Zimbabwe, and
4: it was a, a, a
2: guy called something like Edo Brandis, and he was a pig farmer. And they they always find those stories, don't they? Oh, I England yeah. beaten by a pig farmer.
4: It's, it's never completely genuine either. No. It's like Oh, no, not the pig farmer. He worked on a pig farm prior to becoming a highly paid <laughs> South African cricketer. <laughs> you know, it's, never, it's never quite what it seems. Uh,
3: England are due to tour the Netherlands in June 2022 to play three one day internationals wonderful stuff wow anyway we are definitely um,
2: getting off off the topic we've taken some twists and turns and
3: um, no there's one last game which will be interesting actually on Sunday Leicester Tigers host Harlequins Leicester Tigers mmm
2: Quins will have all their big guns back though they
3: will get them ready for
4: match action in European Lester Cup. Tigers. Not be- I'm not. I'm not going to go against Leicester Tigers until they give me a really good reason to do so. At
2: home, Leicester.
4: After yeah. a week off as well. If it was at Quinn's, I'd say Quinn's. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And there we positive. go. First right. game that. I don't know if they've played this fixture yet, but I predict the first game that Leicester Tigers will lose at Welford Road this year will be against London Irish, unless they've already played it. Hmm.
2: Contact Ed Chase. Is that, I remember, do you remember when uh, London Irish got their first win at Welford Road in. I do yeah, years and years and Seb, Jeb, uh, Jeb Sinclair we got, we got him on the pod straight uh, the next did day did you was, to play that game yeah uh, and he was absolutely steaming I and was it was a house of London Irish players and was, he painted us a beautiful picture of just players that had had a massive bender the night so before so that okay
4: so that phone call the house full of rugby players was him and it was Mikey Mayhew Mikey Mayhew, Mayhew, Mayhew. Right? he goes by the Great Dane so, do you remember when we were put up for the podcast award in Leeds? Uh, do you remember yeah. when
2: we were up for best best sports podcast of the year alongside? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, what but it was unfortunately- just the
4: the whole of Five Live one. Yeah, the whole yeah, of basically five, li- it was five Live <laughs> and us. Yeah, Five yeah. Live and us, right? Unfortunately, Five Live had the foresight uh, to broadcast straight after a terrorist attack, and we don't cry enough on our podcast, <laughs> so we never we never won it. So the <laughs> so, yeah, so it was. It literally said, Egg Chasers, Tim Cocker, Phil, Phil Logan, John, Jonathan Beardmore. That was it. And then it was like, talk sport, crying, mental health on the sporting couch and crying. And then, so like, something to the London bombing. Like, we've got no chance here. Yeah. Like, we've never had a terrorist atrocity. That, uh, it was nice to be nominated. There were thousands was, of
2: sports radio shows on
4: podcasts that were
2: not nominated. And had, we
4: were. It had nothing to do with sport. The, uh, the our reason. nomination did that, yeah. we're the only ones that we, we were there because of the content of what we did everyone else was there well the BBC were there due to the, you know what terrorists did and that, that's the only reason well, they won. you see we,
2: we need to think more strategically in future because I have won uh, those radio awards and I've been nominated many times for my radio shows and, and what
4: do you do do you just jump in the car and go to the, the nearest crime scene I mean how does it like, how's <laughs> well it work? I was going to say there were a
2: few powerful moments in our audio, the ones that uh, won awards and uh, got us nominated. Um, there were should a few, we mix them up? There were a few powerful moments. If you <laughs> <laughs> Next week's well, podcast... Like, like, guys, next week's podcast is going to be unmissable.
4: No, no, no. No, seriously, right? So, uh, when you, you submit your award, right, and you're submitting it to a panel, none of which know anything about sport. They're all media types. So, like, they have no idea if what we're saying is true... If we, you know, they have no idea, so we could conduct an interview with an actor, uh, fundamentally about, you know, th- something he went through in his, you know, in his childhood. We could get them to cry, and we could submit this. We could submit like a really strong, per- like human interest story, and they'd be all over it. Yeah, they'd be all over that. Yeah. but our listeners wouldn't be. Well, I mean, this doesn't need to be part of the podcast. It just needs <laughs> to be in that clip that we submit to <laughs> the judges, right? Well,
2: if there's a podcast that we don't want you to listen to, but is necessary for an for. A, a night out an awards bash we, yeah. we'll we we'll let you know so you, don't, you know we which just make a story yeah. but, but don't swerve any of the podcasts in fact hit subscribe wherever you get yours we're contact chases at gmail.com love getting your emails please do keep them coming he's at jb more um, if you want the direct shortcut to the bigger yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we're at we're at rugby podcast let the boys play let the boys play